Hey everyone, Tom and Grace here. Welcome to part two of our 2005 Pride and Prejudice movie bonus episode. Yep. We are going to pick up here exactly where we left off in part one. Enjoy. We pick up where Netherfield Park is a ghost town once again, and um, uh, you know, Elizabeth is helping Jane pack for London because things are just moving that quickly in the movie. Mm -hmm. um, Jane is sad. Jane is sad, but not letting her emotions show. Um, yeah, so she's going into London to stay with the gardeners for a while. Yeah. With the unofficial idea that she'll be in Bing around Bingley again, right? Right. Um, and then Charlotte comes to Elizabeth with big news, which mm -hmm. is that Charlotte is now engaged to Mr. Collins. Oh, speaking of. So when I first watched this movie, I'm like, Charlotte and Mr. Collins, when did they ever interact? Mm -hmm. But there's like a very blink and you miss his scene where Charlotte and Mr. Collins sort of like, while Mr. Collins is dancing with Elizabeth, like he kind of like moves up to Charlotte and they're like, they make, make very brief eye contact. So that again is just like, so many things trying to be conveyed in the span of one scene at, at the Netherfield Ball. And so that is the one moment where you see Charlotte and Collins interact back at another, the Netherfield Ball. And now, skip ahead, Charlotte tells Elizabeth they're engaged. It's like a very, you know, blink and you miss it moment. Right. I mean, in the book, it plays out much longer. You watch, you know, Charlotte come over and hang out, and she's like talking to Collins, and Elizabeth's like, thank you for taking the brunt <laughs> of Collins for me. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, go ahead. We don't see Collins hanging out with the family at all. Uh, you just don't have time for that in the movie. You also, you know, this is part and parcel of like making Elizabeth the, the sole focus of the movie. You miss this like nice scene where, well, nice, this perversely nice scene <laughs> where Collins is like, you know, Charlotte espies Collins from the, her window. More spying, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Charlotte like stages a meet cute to uh, meet up with uh, Mr. Collins and get him to <laughs> propose to her. I mean, that's just part of the, you know, it's the charm of the book where it's like, we could have this little detour of like seeing the Charlotte Collins, like brief, the briefest of courtships between them. <laughs> But in the movie, she comes up and she's like, hey, I'm engaged to Collins. Yep, and Elizabeth is like, what the fuck? And this also, this scene also plays like the emotions are dialed way higher than I imagined. Like, you know, this is what Elizabeth feels internally, but she doesn't yell at Charlotte in the book. Yeah. Well, Charlotte also doesn't yell at Elizabeth. Uh, in this, in this, <laughs> in this, in this scene, I think Charlotte knows she's going to be unhappy. Whereas in the book... Charlotte is much more calculative. She's much more, um, she, she's much more like, uh, what's the word, like sensible about her place and the fact that she just needs to marry and it can be with anyone as long as she gets married. Mm -hmm. Whereas in, in the movie, it's like Charlotte knows she's signing her death warrant and she is just like yelling at Elizabeth, telling her not to judge her, you know, like, which, again, it's just like, there's just a lot more yelling in the movie, but it just seems like Charlotte's much more unhappy about what's about to happen in the movie than in the book. I mean, you necessarily lose some of the subtlety. Like, Charlotte has to explain all her motivations in one sentence, which is like, I'm 27 years old, I'm a burden on my family. I'm an old uh, maid, I'm 27! Yeah. Where it just, like, comes on, you know, it's a little bit more subtle in the book. Yeah. You don't, there, there's just not the room to explore Charlotte, so you don't get this, I, you know this idea that Charlotte is aromantic, which she says in so many words in the book. She says, I don't care about romance. I care about a comfortable home. Right, which with the Charlotte in the movie, she doesn't say that. And so you don't know whether or not she is looking for love, but 
she, I mean, in this case, it's like she, she, you know, she, she comes, she comes to Elizabeth already defensive, you know? I mean, you know, it's, it's just a sacrifice of like trying to fit the story into a short amount of time, which is that Charlotte as a character, like you get a lot less of Charlotte. You also, when we get to, uh, Huntsford, there's none of the the scheming charlotte there's no charlotte trying to get like collins you know more positions in the church or anything right right and so then um a lot of time passes we get um, a nice little montage of yeah. like uh the tire what is it a tire swing it's not a tire swing it's right? just like a random swing okay but she's but, like going in circles and you yeah. see like the barnyard i do appreciate you know this is how the Bennetts would have made money. They would have had animals and like a farm, a working farm. Yeah, it's it's a grittier version of period dramas because a lot of period dramas like everyone is in silks and like elaborate lace and hairdos, but like you know, one thinks about it just how stinky everything would have been. Uh, you know how smelly it would have been to like live near cattle and like and and pigs and things like that it's a nice like subtle signifier of the bennett's class too yeah uh-huh. yeah but um yeah so you see the changing of the seasons and it kind of similarly like in the book it's just like and then three months pass and now we're in the springtime uh-huh. um so then we jump to elizabeth visiting charlotte uh with like her reading writing the letter in like the like, as a narration point, she tells Charlotte that she'll visit her, and then mm-hmm. she approaches Hunsford Parsonage and yes. is greeted by a married Charlotte Collins. Uh, Sir William and Mariah are not in the movie at right. all. Right, yeah, another Elizabeth. Um, victim. <laughs> Elizabeth goes by herself, which is anachronistic. You know, she wouldn't have traveled by herself at that time. No, with just, like, uh-huh. a, a, you know, a regency version of like a taxi but whatever i guess i get it like you know if you're cutting time if you're focusing on elizabeth no room for sir william no room for mariah especially yeah i know the the omission of sir william and lady lucas are probably probably like the biggest losses that i feel for the movie i mean yeah it's just like uh the movie's like we don't need sir william you know i maybe like they thought the the satirical target of Sir William would be lessened now. Like, he wouldn't be quite as funny to modern audiences. Yeah. Like, this, like, essentially poor man who goes around, like, talking about the one time he, like, saw the king, right? We also don't get um, Mrs. Bennett's reaction to finding out that the ugly Charlotte um, <laughs> is going to inherit her house. And that, you know, her rivalry with Lady Lucas has, um, in this case, the point has gone to Lady Lucas. There's one line about Lady Lucas and their rivalry. Yeah, yeah, like very early on. But then it like never comes up again. We never see, that's kind of the thing I I, I wish we could see more is Mrs. Bennett interacting with like the other mothers of um, this, this, this um, county. And then, so she, uh, Elizabeth visits Huntsford. And I feel like also... Like, the Mr. Collins here is, people just ignore him for the most part. Like, he is, like, talking about, like, the doorway and, like, the fitting, the finishings of Huntsford Parsonage to no one. They just walk away <laughs> from him. Yeah. Or in the move, I mean, in the book, he is, like, he is a more commanding presence, even if he's still totally, like, frivolous and inane, right? Right. Uh, yeah, like, in the book, we see Charlotte, like, strategically manage her relationship with Mr. Collins and that, like she'll like encourage him to garden or whatever and that charlotte has her own nook in the house which is in the movie she has her own nook she says they won't be disturbed there um but yeah it's just like it's charlotte's 
solution to being married to Mr. Collins is to just ignore him. <laughs> the Collins of the book is a big personality. Yeah, yeah. Where the Collins of the movie is a meek, a meek, mild, <laughs> mousy man. <laughs> Um, yeah, in a way, almost, like, being married to the movie Collins is much more tolerable because then, like, he just isn't, he's a, he's a nothing, he's a nobody. Uh-huh. It's be like, it would be like being married to, like, a chair. <laughs> right. Versus, like, a, you know, someone who just, like, talks incessantly and, yeah. and has nothing to say. <laughs> All right, and then, um, they're sitting, and then, good news, we've been invited to dine with Lady Catherine at Rosings. And, um... We get the funny line about how, don't worry, Elizabeth, about the how cheap your wardrobe is, basically. <laughs> yeah. In this, in this, I think, like, we're gonna see this early on, but, like, seeing this Collins interact with Lady Catherine, I think it's, like, it almost seems like Mr. Collins is afraid of Lady Catherine, then he actually, like, idolizes her. Uh-huh. Because he's, like, talking, and he's, like, he's almost afraid to, like, get the words out that they're about to have dinner with her, you know? Right. Whereas, like, in the book, he would be, like, ecstatic that they're about to eat with um, Lady Catherine. Uh-huh. That's it. Well, he talks to Lady Catherine all the time. Yeah. But that's a really good point. I think maybe that is reflecting uh, the omission of Sir William, mm. who, one of his, like, purposes in, like, the scene where they all go into Rosings is to be, like, awed by it, basically, right? Yeah. This man who's been to St. James to be awed <laughs> into silence and to be awed by Lady Catherine and to, like, be, you know silence basically right right he does uh, like yeah i think yeah you make a good point there mr collins plays both roles here as someone who was both like in both like you know her little like servant her little her little manservant uh, and also someone who was like actually in awe of her all the time right so i guess i think that's that's probably <laughs> the reason for that change yeah but who plays lady catherine here grace dame Judy Dench. Judy Dench herself. Great casting. I mean, she played Queen Elizabeth, so I feel like that that association, you know, alone, just like, you know, it gives you, it sells the idea that this is a regal figure, yeah, right? Like, this is someone regal. who commands a room. She's formidable. Uh, she has not smiled in her entire life. <laughs> Which Judy Dench, like, commands a room even just, like, seeing a close-up of her face. Like, she doesn't <laughs> need to say anything. Yeah, yeah, she has the, uh, the intensity right there. But also, like... It, I agree. Complete, I completely agree 100%. Great casting. But like with all the other characters, the Lady Catherine figure in the movie, much less ridiculous. She's a little less, like, meddlesome. There's none of the, like, pack your, you know, pack your trunks this way. Yeah. Or, like, I go around to the servants and tell them how to behave properly, right? It's uh, more like, yeah, she, she like, like will command people around her. Or to, her like, tenants, rather. Sorry. She'll, uh-huh. Yeah, she'll, like, command, like, the people around her to, like, do her bidding. But, like, she doesn't, like... Like you said, she's not, like, she's not a busybody. She doesn't, like, actually give a fuck about her, the tenants of her property. <laughs> she's not shaming them into being more, more respectably poor, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you're right, yeah. So, well, they cut that part out about Lady Catherine, like, the... <laughs> how she's just, like, all, all up in everyone's business all the time. Right. Uh, the only business she seems to care about are the people around her, which makes... which. Is, I think, the, as far as they'll extend her busybodiness is that she'll, like, care about Colonel Fitzwilliams' goings-on and Mr. Collins, and Mrs. Collins' goings-on, but, like, nothing past that. She's, like you said, not going to tell people how to pack their trunks or how to behave more dignified, being poor or whatever. I do think this dinner scene at Rosings is 
one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Mm. And I think it's one of the scenes where Keira Knightley comes closest to the spirit of Elizabeth from the book, if not still quite not fully there. Yeah, I Which agree. is the scene where she, like, you know, Lady Catherine is interrogating her about her family, and mm. she is, like, telling Lady Catherine all the information that's going to shock her the most. Yeah. And, of course, Judy Dench, like, it's hilarious. I love the way she plays it. <laughs> Keira Knightley's coming close to... Like, there's at least a little sense of playfulness to her performance here. Like, you sense that she's, like, baiting yeah. Lady Catherine a little bit, right? right? You uh -huh. sense that, like, Elizabeth finds Lady Catherine ridiculous, finds her questioning ridiculous and intrusive. And instead of being, instead of actually getting upset over it, she decides to be playful uh -huh. and be like, we never had a governess, <laughs> things like that. Um, and that, like, oh, you know, like, it wouldn't be fair to my younger sister's to not be out just because their older sisters are unmarried, you know? Right. That's all from the book. That's all from uh, the book, but yeah. she does, like, she's not, like, going, she's not, like, actually butting heads with Lady Catherine like she butts heads with Darcy. Right. So it's a nice scene. It's There's a nice also scene. a nice little, like, uh, part in the beginning, which is an addition where she tells Collins, you can't sit next to your wife. Oh, that's yeah, right. You gotta mix and mingle. Yeah, which I was, like, I just took it as fact. I was, like, oh, I guess if Lady Catherine said it, it must be true. But she, I think that's... Also, another um, extension of her, like, getting into everyone's business. That's supposed to show us her how she commands everyone around. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't go into the minutia of she goes around to her tenants. <laughs> She's not, like, telling, like, uh, Mrs. Collins how to keep her chickens, right? Right, uh, yeah. Well, because then, um, yeah, like, then later in the sitting room, they're, like, talking. And when she's, like, commanding Elizabeth to play the piano, um, Elizabeth goes to play. And then... Darcy walks up, and then Colonel Fitzwilliam walks up. Did we up. mention that Darcy and Fitzwilliam are Oh, shit, reasons. yeah. Oh, I think we forgot. Oh, it's it's so understood. It's, yeah. I mean, if you read the book, you know already. So, yeah, Darcy yeah, and Fitzwilliam, yeah. Colonel Fitzwilliam are also there. And then, um, so back in, fast forward to the sitting room, or tea room, or whatever. Elizabeth is at the piano, and Darcy walks up to her, um, and then Colonel Fitzwilliam walks up to them to make small talk. And in the book, Lady Catherine also walks up to the piano, but in this scene, she just barks like, Fitzwilliam, I need you. Uh. <laughs> and he goes back to her. But um, I think this is a way to preserve Dame Judi Dench as Lady Catherine de Bourgh's regalness is just like, she's not gonna, she's not gonna like get up out of her chair to go watch Elizabeth play the piano poorly. Like, to like butt her nose into this conversation. Like, that's I, not gonna uh... be this Lady Catherine. That's not gonna be in the character of this Lady Catherine. It's just like, it's just like it's just it's just more to like the power that Lady Catherine has over everyone else. I will say in this scene also, there's probably one of my favorite line readings from the movie where Judy Dench says, when she says, "I would have been a great proficient if I could have played it all." Like she invests that line with this like sort of like pathos out of nowhere, and I think it's great. <laughs> it's like there's real like regret in this like in her reading of that line. Yeah, it's not imperious as you would imagine. That's right. That's like, right. It's not like I would have been a great proficient if I had played. It's mm. like I, you know, I, I don't, I can't do it. I'm not an actor. But like, she invests it with like regret. Like, there's a mournful tone in how she reads that line. Yeah, yeah. And when she talks about Anne too being unable to play, uh -huh. she yeah, like it's both. It's a tragedy that both she and Anne can't play herself for whatever reason. But then for Anne because of health issues, it's like yeah, like she. You think she actually does have an appreciation for music and things like that, but then in the in the tea room, once Elizabeth starts playing, she immediately starts talking again as if she's not there. Uh -huh. Well, that's a little bit of the, a Judy Dench special, I feel like, is to take this, you know, a line right from the book that's hilarious and absurd and to, like, give it some pathos, you know, to, like, play it in a different way. Yeah. 
It's also worth mentioning that Mr. Berg is a lot different. Or not a lot different, but it's definitely a slightly different here. Yeah. She is still, like, quiet and sickly, but there's... The haughtiness is gone, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so... It's... She's, like... She's, like, um... Like, an invalid, you know? You, right. You're supposed to kind of, like, feel bad for her because she's also, like... She's also one of the, like, victims of Lady Catherine's, like wrath you know not wrath but lady, lady catherine's like controllingness it's like Anne doesn't get any lines she uh, just sits there right. she looks like super meek and not even at all like a rival for not that not that the late in the book was a rival but just like almost like even less of a rival you know like um just kind of just like sits there and it's, you're supposed to feel bad for her she gets more to do in the book yeah but anyway, Darcy and Fitzwilliam and Elizabeth are all talking at the piano, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Elizabeth informs Colonel Fitzwilliam that Darcy behaved like an ass <laughs> when he was at heart for sure. And basically um, tells then tells Darcy to take less to take a note from his aunt and practice in order to get better at conversing. Darcy says he's shy, which I think actually Matthew McFadden does a good job of selling the shyness, right? Yeah, like everyone, like like everyone gets a much more, um, uh, like a much more um, sympathetic um, character in the movie, including Darcy. Darcy is like much less proud and haughty, and you can see. A lot of it comes from, like, his inability to (laughs) converse with people. Right, he's shy. Maybe you don't quite get, like, the social awkwardness I do see in Darcy so much in the book that maybe, you know, he's still, like, a commanding presence, so. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's, like, more of a shyness of, like, passion, kind of. Yeah, I'm really trying to think of, like... Well, maybe, I don't know. You're right. It's it's a... I'm trying to think of, like possible examples of where his like a social awkwardness comes through but yeah hard to hard to think of any really right now okay but anyway so they have this conversation he's like i'm shy and elizabeth's like well maybe you know you should practice more yeah Uh, okay and then cut to exactly yeah (laughs) next scene scene. elizabeh sitting by herself writing a letter in a huntsford parsonage and then Wham! In comes Darcy. Well, this is supposed to be him being a little awkward. He's like, here I am, but I don't really know what to say now. Yeah, he, like, storms in. Elizabeth is surprised. We all are. That also wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't just be able to, like, storm into her room. Right, like, Like, a servant would have told her that he was coming or something. Um, And here's with awkwardness, I think, here's where Matthew Matthew McFadden does a good job conveying the awkwardness, like, Elizabeth is trying to goad him, excuse me, trying to goad him into saying anything and he is having a hard time. He's like fiddling with his riding gloves and um, the best he can come up with is like, this house is great. Like Mm -hmm. my aunt did a lot of stuff to it, which I think is straight out of the book. And then Elizabeth has the line of like, she could not have bestowed it on a more grateful subject, <laughs> um, which is meant to be a joke. And right, Darcy, of course, of course to Collins. Uh-huh. Yeah, Darcy, of course, doesn't, either he doesn't pick up on it or he's just too nervous to laugh. <laughs> and then I think he hears Charlotte coming in and then he leaves very abruptly. It's bye. I do like, I like this abrupt uh, close-ups that you see in this movie sometimes. It's kind of like, it's uh, almost like French New Wave a little bit, like <laughs> disrupting the, the mostly fluid moments of the camera. I feel like you get one of those like abrupt close-ups when Darcy first comes into the room here, right? Yeah, uh, I think, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's a cool, um, cool like, 
you know, camera trick that they <laughs> incorporated. Right. It kind of like, you know, makes you feel unstable for a second. Uh-huh. It's like there's a, a disruption is happening. Yeah. Now, yeah. Right? And it's uh-huh. meant to be, yeah, exactly. It's meant to disrupt the flow. It's meant to be like awkward to kind of reflect the awkwardness of this interaction. Um, and then, yeah. So that is in the book, we see, you know, Darcy come and like sit with them a while and be quiet and not say much. And Elizabeth's like, what is he doing? And so that's, yeah. that's the purpose that this uh, scene is serving. Mm-hmm. That A, Darcy is awkward. practicing. He's practicing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And B, he's awkward. Yeah. And C, it tells us at least that Darcy is actually very interested in Elizabeth to the point where he will just show up uninvited and want to talk to her one on one. It's also showing, and I think we talked about this in the book too, that Darcy is willing to listen to Elizabeth and yeah, take instruction from her. That's right. right. Um, and then, uh, what happens? Then there's a scene, <laughs> your favorite scene. We've talked, I talk about this a lot just because I am intrigued by the idea of a Collins sermon. Mm-hmm. So we, we, yeah, I think we go to then the, the church where Collins is delivering his sermon. He's awkward and bumbly and surprised, not at all, like a charismatic <laughs> preacher ought to be, you know. This is, I feel like this is the movie Collins that would be awkward and bumbling in his sermon. I do believe that the book Collins would put people to sleep with his sermon, <laughs> but I think he would be, like, I think he is a better speaker, like, just based on, like, the huge affluent, like, speeches he gives throughout the book. Yeah. Like, he, I do think he would be able to, like, you know, give a speech without stumbling all over it. Would it be good? Would it be interesting? Probably not. No, uh, would it be interesting? I don't think it would be very Christian. I can't imagine, um, like, what passages Colin, in the Bible Collins would even want to talk about. Yeah, he would be saying something and then be like, like, something about how great God is. Much like Lady Catherine, or something like <laughs> right. that. Right. Oh, that, that's actually kind of a missed opportunity that he doesn't name, uh, name check Lady Catherine in his sermon. Well, the thing with this Collins is, like, he he he's not really like like idolizes he doesn't really idolize lady catherine he it's kind of like in in awe slash fears her so it it wouldn't quite be in line with this version of collins to preach the the house of lady catherine it's more just like it, it this collins is much more devout you know he's much more devout and so even if his sermon is awkward and stumbly it at least is like in adherence with like probably the principles that he follows with the church whereas the book collins is 100 percent not a christian the book collins can barely go like four or five sentences without talking about lady catherine yeah or tithes uh-huh. or the tithes that he collects <laughs> <laughs> which is all about talking about his own status that's yeah. the reason he's constantly referring to her it's because it's like you're supposed to think about think that i'm important based on my association with this important person right one thing this movie collins doesn't have is actually like now that i think about it the pride of the book Collins, the pride that book Collins has by being close to Lady Catherine, by having his living, like by having his fucking house, his tiny little house, you know. This Collins is very unsure of himself. He's very like he is like not his own person at all. Mm-hmm. He doesn't he doesn't have any, he doesn't believe in anything. Where at least the book Collins believes in Lady, Lady Catherine. Catherine. Yeah. All right. But anyway, we see we get to see his sermon in the church, um, which it's you know it's interesting. We've, I've commented this before, Austin never takes us into the church. We meet clergy members, but we never, like, see what, a, like, a sermon would be like. We never see, like, any sort of, you know, devotion or, uh, yeah. like, worship of any sort. Yeah. Uh, like, we the closest, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, we don't even see the church, like, when Collins and Charlotte get married. It's just, like, and then chapter, the next chapter starts, and they're married. Uh, I've definitely mentioned this before. I be- believe, 
the closest we get in the five major novels to going into a place of worship is they go into a private chapel in Mansfield Park. Where, uh, and all the characters use this as an opportunity to, like, fake marry each other, to pretend <laughs> that they're getting married. So it's basically making a mockery of that, <laughs> that area. Uh-huh. All right, but anyway, yeah. So I guess this plays a little similarly in that no one is listening to the sermon, but rather, like, talking about all all the drama that's going on in the story, yeah. right? Well, there's the bit in Collins when he um, accidentally says, like, intercourse instead oh, yeah. of, like, the intercourse of friendship or something like that. That's more of his... Um, like sexual repression. Sexual repression, yeah. yeah, coming through. Uh, right. This is not a cause that's getting laid. <laughs> there's also, I think, in the... Like, when they first arrive at Huntsford, Colin says, you know, it's, like, a, f- a fit house for any lady. Like, I think he says that to no one, too. Right. right? By the time uh, he's done with his, his little monologue, like, the ladies have left. His... He, he's just such more, he's so more pathetic in the movie. Like, yeah. he's pathetic in the book, but, like, you don't feel sorry for him because he, he's odious. Right. He's not, that's, a, yeah, exactly. He's not odious in the movie. He's not an odious person. He's more just pathetic. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> pathetic and, yeah, just, yeah, pathetic. Okay, but while we're in the church, Fitzwilliam and Elizabeth are talking. Uh, So the little bit is preserved of, like, the Fitzwilliam-Elizabeth dynamic here in the movie. It's cut down on, but... Right, there's no flirtation between Fitzwilliam and Elizabeth, like, in the book. There's there's mild flirtation going on in the the book, but, um... That's just how, you know, charming Elizabeth is, Uh, but in this... in, (laughs) in In the movie, like, Fitzwilliam is... He's played by, like, an older... Like less handsome yes, man, yeah. and so there's just like zero, there's zero indication that there's anything going on between the Fitzwilliam Elizabeth. Well, he's less handsome in the book too. Yeah, yeah, but he really drives it home in the movie, kind of. Yeah, this is like this is like not a potential mate for Elizabeth at all. Like not even someone for Elizabeth to flirt with. It's just uh, he's just a a, a a plot convenience. Exactly, yeah. he's a plot device. He's the one who tells Elizabeth that you know, dun dun dun. Like Darcy is the one who. Separated Bingley from Jane. And he, yeah, he tells her this in the church, and then of course Elizabeth looks right at Darcy right after this. I, right? I do like the shot. It's like you know, close up on Darcy, and then he looks up at her, and then it's like it, the camera zooms to like Elizabeth, and it's a close up on her, um, looking away, and uh, and then bam, cut to her running in the rain, uh-huh. <laughs> running away in the rain, because of course we need a rain scene because you know rain scenes are. They're, um, they're baptisms. They're, like, re- rebirths. So I think, like, having with this this confrontation in the rain is, is a good... I mean, it's not good. It's, it's a, it's, it's a con- contrived and um, overdone Oh, uh, it looks nice. Don't you want your dripping wet, like, <laughs> your own heroine? I mean, yeah, of course you do, but, I like... I mean, this, the biggest subversion is that it's, like, she still turns him down. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you have this romantic setting, and it's still, like, a refusal of the proposal. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, well, so let's talk about that. I mean, well, this is a scene that, like you said, goes from inside to outside. We yeah. are not in the little humble parsonage. We are in a, a, so, a, a, a pagoda in, like, the middle of a park or something. Yeah, it, it was very common, you know, for landscaping at that time to include these, like, you know, little Greek architecture structure, architectural structures around... Uh, your facility around your grounds. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're called follies. Oh, okay. So they're they're this is where they're hanging out at. Yes, this uh, is where she catches her breath because she's just received this devastating news that Darcy was responsible for separating Bingley and her sister. Mm. And surprise, Darcy also shows up yeah. dripping wet uh. <laughs> and 
he confesses his love to her very quickly, you know, not at all like in the uh, book. We yes. can go line by line discussing the differences, but we're not going to do that. Hey. It's just... Oh, we're not? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, yeah. Well, yeah, he kind of just blurts out that he loves her. Um, I feel like one of my problems with this scene is that it doesn't quite sell how much of a shock this would have been to Elizabeth. Like, this is coming out of nowhere, this proposal. Elizabeth had yeah. no idea that Darcy was in, like, even could tolerate her, right? Yeah, but then again, it's like, it's like, but yeah, but us reading the book, we can tell that Darcy, like, what what makes you say that, that, like, it doesn't look like it's out of nowhere? It just doesn't, like, it doesn't seem like she's that shocked to, like, get this proposal out of nowhere. Oh, I see what you mean. Like, it's in the performance. It just doesn't, she doesn't seem, like, blindsided by this proposal from a man who she thought, like, didn't like her at all. Yeah, I guess you're right. I think, yeah, you could argue that. It's just that she's so, she is so, she's already, she has already received surprise news about the Jane Bingley situation, I guess, maybe, like. I mean, if anything, that news should make it more surprising that he would then turn around and propose yeah, to her Yeah, no, you're himself, right. The surprise but... doesn't come through. You're right. It, it, it's more, it's back to, back to the default, like, uh, like, irritation and anger towards Darcy that Elizabeth has for some reason. Um, well, not for some reason, but in this case. I think the Darcy proposal is also softened. Yeah. It's, like, brutal. It's brutal in the book. He, he really goes through all the objections he yeah. has with her. Yeah, he, like, straight up, like, gives him, like, gives her, like, his, like, was like, 95 treatise, 95 theses about uh-huh. why this is a terrible match and how he is, like, marrying beneath him. But, I mean, I get it. In the in the movie, it's, it's, it's supposed to still be, like, rot and romantic, even if it's, like, an argument um, about who behaved more inappropriately. <laughs> But, um... Okay, so, yeah. They do the proposal. It is it is very visually, like, stimulating. It's nice to look at. Although yeah. I do miss, like, you know, the thing I got from the book is that, uh, you know, Darcy's in this little room in this little parsonage, <laughs> and he's just, like, barely... He's, like, barely fitting into it. He's so out of place. Yeah. Well, I think the problem is this is the only proposal we get to see between Darcy and Elizabeth. So in that way, I think the movie is like, we got to make it count. Even if they're arguing, even if it's a terrible proposal, it still has to be um, cinematic in some way. Uh, and it is cinematic. Yeah. So it, it can't be like Darcy, like the tall drink of water that is Darcy crammed into a tiny room, a tiny clergyman's house, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. So for that, I, I, I get it. But, okay, back to like the actual like, what he actually says it's all very very rushed you know it's like i like the banter between the two of them i think i think i, I like the um they do have good really good chemistry i think like matthew mcfaddy and karen knightley they have a great chemistry and so the back and forth with them talking over each other i think it really works in this scene mm-hmm. um but it's just a lot of the criticisms that darcy had the specific criticisms and the reasons why it's a bad marriage doesn't really come through in the in the scene like yes he is stating them but it's not like it's not like we're really paying attention to what they're saying maybe that's yeah part of the to its detriment it's almost too pretty yeah it's like it's too beautiful for a a rejection of a bad proposal yeah exactly yeah like he he goes through the motions of listing everything but i mean 
And, and then she also, ha- you know, has... You know, she brings up Jane and Wickham. Wickham yeah. and things like that. But it's just like, again, it's just like we, we're just sort of witnessing... We're witnessing their, their banter more than we are actually hearing what they're saying. Like, we know by the end of the scene, Elizabeth is going to say no and Darcy's going to be upset. Like, that's all we know. We, we know that they don't get along. We know they're going to fight. And we know that Elizabeth is going to reject him. Like, the actual, like... The, the like the the nitty gritty details of it almost like are are unimportant because we just know it's not going to happen. It doesn't matter what they say. We know it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. At least not in this scene. Um, so yeah, we do lose a lot of the a lot of. Well, then again, it's also just a way to soften Darcy. We don't really want to look at Mister Darcy as like this proud man who thinks he's marrying beneath him by marrying by proposing to elizabeth who's going against all his better like judgment and yeah to elizabeth right Uh, right he doesn't yeah he kind of he talks about him but not so um not so like precisely as he says it in the book it's also like that shock like the blindsiding feel i was talking about that's hard to convey only through visuals too yeah Okay, do we do you have more to say about the proposal or should we move on? Uh, that's about it, you know. I I mean, I mean it's a beautiful scene. It's a stunning scene. It's still one of my favorite scenes of the movie even though it doesn't quite make sense, but I still really love it. But we can move on. Okay. All right. Well, so actually I said there was only one, but there's actually at least two instances now of moving a scene inside. So we just the proposal was moved outside into the rain. And then they cut the scene where Elizabeth is walking around the grounds and Darcy, like, comes up to her and hands her the letter and walks away. In the movie, Darcy just bursts into Elizabeth's room at Huntsford and, like, drops off the letter. He doesn't burst in. He, like, walks in. Okay. I know. He walks in. He drops off the letter. She is, like, in her pajamas. That wouldn't have happened, also. (laughs) No. It is a nice, like, little bit of business. Like, Elizabeth, like, spying Darcy off across the field and him, like, coming up to her. But, you know, I get why they cut it. You got to keep this thing rolling, right? Yeah. Plus, I think, like, I don't know. It's, I get the, well, we'll talk about it when the other indoor scene comes up. But it's much more intimate, you know. It's, to have a set indoors, it's much more intimate. Whereas, like, I feel like, you know, with the proposal, the, the botched proposal, even if it's bad, it's still, like, grandiose and, like, you know, like, very, like, almost, like, Shakespearean, like, and it's, like, it's, like, taken outdoors, t- it takes place outdoors, because it's almost, like, it's under the eyes of God <laughs> in that way, like, it's, like, the irony of, like, a proposal rejection rather than a wedding taking place under the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. Under the Welkin. Under, yeah, exactly, in, in nature, you know. Um... Okay. Okay. So, so he gives, he the gives letter. a letter, and yeah. then he, he rides off in his horse. Uh huh. Very, very Byronic looking. <laughs> yeah. Galloping away through the woods on his horse. <laughs> and we we get a very, very condensed version of the letter, which is just that he tells her about Wickham and Georgiana, mm-hmm. and then regarding Bingley, in in the same way that he, in in the in the letter, he does write a lot just to say like, I don't regret it. I did it for a friend. Some of the lines from the letter are moved to his proposal to like the argument that yeah. ensues after the line about how you know your family is an embarrassment even sometimes your father excluding you and jane like yeah, that is, yeah. that's from the letter that's moved to the proposal you're so right there's a little bit of you know they play around with it a little bit there we don't want to it's fine we don't want to hear a whole long voiceover of him reading that whole letter no it okay. gives you the basics yeah this is what happened with georgiana and wickham 
And here's what I thought with Jane and Bingley, yeah. right? As much as letter writing is, you know, important to the plot of the book and was how women many times just like that's how they live their lives is through letter writing. It's not very visually interesting for a movie. No, and so I appreciate, yeah, that they don't have voiceover here, which yeah. is, that's a challenge to give yourself, especially when you're adapting a book. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then what happens? Then they, um... Okay, so that's pretty much her time at yeah, she uh, does Huntsford. Like, no more important things happen, so we just cut there. <laughs> right, uh, and then next scene, I think we see Elizabeth walking, coming back home. Mm-hmm. Jane's back home, too. Jane gives the spiel about being over Bingley. Right. And Elizabeth's like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, of course, she didn't see him in London. Oh, right. Uh, um, the gardeners are there. Yes, and the gardeners are at Longbourn because they've returned Jane home. They are childless in this movie. They have no children. They're childless and have aged up like 30 years. <laughs> well, at least Mrs. Gardner. Mrs. Mrs. Gardner is no longer the younger wife. Who's no. Who's like a, a more of a peer to Elizabeth. Well, my, 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 um, um, I think it's because they want Mrs. Gardner to almost act like another, like, well... Like a maternal figure. Like a maternal figure, yeah. Like the maternal figure that Elizabeth never had. But also just, like, I think they just didn't really want to think, like, address the, the like, weird, the um, unusualness of, like, having such a young aunt. Uh-huh. You know, like, you think, oh, an aunt should be closer to, like, Mrs. Bennet's age, so we're going to age her up. It would require, like, some explanation of which it's, like, it's easy to do in a book, but it's hard to do in a movie. Right. Uh, and so they're talking, and Lydia bursts into the drawing room or whatever. She's crying. Oh, she's... Oh, no, no, wait. Kitty, sorry. Uh-huh. Kitty bursts into the drawing room. She's crying, um, like, on the couch. And Lydia waltzes in, happy as a clam, because Lydia has been invited to go to Brighton, and Kitty has not. And um, Mrs. Gardner comes in, and she's like, you know, shut up. Stop being so annoying. Um, and then Elizabeth begs Mr. Bennett to not let Kitty or Lydia go. But it plays out pretty similar to the book. He's yeah. just like, there's it's the cheapest way for Lydia to expose <laughs> herself or whatever, right? Yeah. I mean, he does play a sort of, Donald Sutherland does play kind of like, he, he like you're, yeah you're not supposed to take it seriously when he says that, I feel yeah. like. Even though that's essentially what he's doing. <laughs> and there's almost like a little bit of a, I, I sense a little bit of a hesitation with Donald Sutherland's, um, how he plays this part is just sort of like, he's just like, he, he kind of is like, I mean, I know this is a kind of a bad idea, but like, you know, that I kind of, there's nowhere else. Lydia has to make a fool of herself and I want peace in the household. Uh, and, but like in the it's just, book. It's just much like harsher in the book. Yeah, in the like, book it's uh, like Mr. Bennett is like, it's like he can't wait for Lydia to be like made a fool of at Brighton and can't wait to get her out of the house. Yeah, both, it is, it's important to Mr. Bennett that he get she gets made a fool of. Yeah. Uh, like both to punish her, I guess, and because he thinks it'll be funny, maybe. Maybe. And then, um, so yeah, that scene's pretty much like in the book. Yeah, and so then, he's um, like, no, I am going to let her go anyway. <laughs> And then they're, like, in the kitchen now, and then the uh, Elizabeth is there, and the gardeners, and the gardeners invite Elizabeth to the mountains with them. Mary's also in the scene, but they conveniently ignore her. Mm-hmm. She Mary gets the line, Mary gets my favorite line, which is, what are men to rocks and mountains? Because it is a little preachy. It's a little, like... It's a little extracty to be like, what are men to rocks and mountains? I guess so. But, it, you know, it's important for... It's like a thought attributed to Elizabeth that's coming yeah. at a moment when she's just turned down two bad proposals, right? Yeah, but we also don't get the depressed, like, cynical Elizabeth in the movie. 
like in the whole pretty much the whole second part elizabeth is like very cynical she's very cynical she's very sad she has like given up on humanity starting with I mean, the proposals are a part of it, and learning all this info about how uh, Darcy broke up Jane and Bingley. Yeah. But I think the Mr. Bennet sending Lydia to, I mean, yeah, Lydia to Brighton kind of, like, sets off, really, the cynical train for Elizabeth in the book. Right. Whereas here it's just like, all right, Elizabeth's like, I'll go on this vacation (laughs) with you. So I think it's just kind of funny that, like, I don't know, I mean... I don't know whether or not they wanted it to be comedic, but the fact that gar- the gardeners are inviting Elizabeth and only Elizabeth to come to their vacation and Mary pipes up with like, what are men to rocks and mountains? Kind of like maybe hinting that she also wants to go, mm-hmm. but they just ignore her. <laughs> yeah, there's also the, in the book, they were going to go visit the Lake District, which is pretty far north, but they, because of Mr. Gardner's job, his business, I'm pretty sure they have to cut short their trip. So that's why they go like into the environs of Pemberley. Mm. Where in the movie, they're just kind of like visiting that area. Right. They don't, it's not made really, no, I think they do say where they're going, but it's such a, it's such, it, the, the detail is so minuscule, it's like it doesn't matter. Point is, point is, you know, Elizabeth's going on a road trip. <laughs> right. Uh, she's going on another little trip. Of course, we cut then to a scene of her standing <laughs> on a moor, on a mountaintop, like, looking very romantic, staring out at the distance. Yeah, uh-huh. capital R romantic. Yeah. Like, with the wind blowing in her skirts and, like, the sun in her cheeks and just, like, basking in the glory of nature. Well, the, is that... So what is she doing there in that scene, other than just, like, looking nice amid a nice, like, background? What is she doing there? Do I don't mean? know. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. She's just like, enjoying the view. What is she view. thinking? She's just oh, enjoying the view. what do you think she's thinking? I don't know. I don't know. I think she just needs a spa day, you know? This is her <laughs> spa day. She needs, like, she needs to get away from it all. I feel like that is, you know, that's a little bit of a criticism against the movie. Like, it should be reflecting, like, what's going on in the story in some yeah, way. Yeah, this is just like, well, we have, we're on location here. It's uh-huh. a beautiful shot. We should just get a shot of Elizabeth standing here looking beautiful. Right, and, like, what is going on in her brain? Yeah. I don't know. Well, she got the letter. Maybe she's thinking about the letter. Maybe. Okay, I'll say she's well, thinking about the letter. I don't, I just don't like see I that know. in the performance we don't see we, we can, just yeah. always see is her like kind of appreciating the beauty and i don't know maybe maybe she's allowed to do that <laughs> <laughs> all right all right <laughs> um and then we cut to elizabeth and the gardeners they're like sitting on this giant tree it's probably like a thousand years old and um the carriage has broken down and they decide right there spur of the moment to go visit pemberley which is different from the book, again, mm-hmm. because in the book, um, when they cut their vacation short, they're like, oh, let's visit Pemberley. And Elizabeth's like, mm, it's like, oh, I got to prepare myself for when I visit Pemberley. But here it's just like Elizabeth, you know, is already a participant of this trip. And the, you know, hosts are like, let's go visit Pemberley. And she's like, please, let's not. <laughs> but they do anyway. Uh-huh. Um, so they go to Pemberley. Yeah, there's also, there's not the scene where she does, like, her little investigation work and determines that Darcy isn't there. Right. Uh, it's just sort of, like, someone says, like, throws away the line, like, oh, these men are, these great men are never home anyway. Right. So Elizabeth's like, oh, maybe then it's maybe safe for me, to, yeah, yeah. for me to go. And so <laughs> they pull up to Pemberley, this gorgeous estate uh-huh. with this, like, pond with fountains. It's, it's a very nice looking house. Very um, symmetrical. Uh-huh. The first thing I, I took away from it was like, wow, this is a very symmetrical house. <laughs> yeah, as I would hope so. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Elizabeth is, well, I, I really like this scene. She like sits up at the carriage, she stands up on the carriage and she's like looking at it and she just like laughs to herself. I think just like 
she's just like cannot believe how huge this house is. Well, I think that's the shorthand for the line in the book to be mistress of Pemberley would be something, you know. Maybe. I don't quite get that from from this scene. I know maybe it's supposed to be, but like I kind of just got it like Elizabeth is just like just cannot believe how ridiculously large this house is. But maybe it is she's sort of laughing to herself like, holy crap, I turned this down. Yeah. I, well, in the book, it's also, it's not just large, it's tasteful. Too. Tasteful, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It's all very tastefully done. Right. I think the giggle coming from Elizabeth in the movie is just sort of like, she's shocked. She's like shocked to the point where she can't help, she can't do anything but laugh at just how ginormous this house is. Because then um, the gardeners stand up and their mouths, like, I think they like literally drop. <laughs> So I think it's just like Elizabeth has the context of like, wow, this is Darcy's house. So she laughs. But the gardeners are just like, it's a big house. It's a big ass uh-huh. house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, they go inside. They take the tour. They have this like sculpture room. Yeah. All very... these marble sculptures. They replace the scene where she sees Darcy's portrait, where she sees Darcy's bust. Yeah. I think the the sculpture room or whatever, I think I, I like the change. It's way more dynamic. It's cinematic. It's cinematic. Yeah, yeah. It's dynamic. It's like, yeah, and it's more romantic. It's more like, and you know, the fact that he's like carved out. It's like he's of marble. Of marble. Yeah, he's yeah. like this three D figure in front uh-huh. of him, her rather than just like a two D portrait. I like it, and it's you know, it's very the scene is very sensual. It's very erotic. Yeah, like the camera lingering over all these like marble statues. Yeah, and stuff. Of, like uh, naked yeah. Greek gods. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. We don't, the housekeeper, she's there, but her scene's cut down. Like, no. yeah, you only hear her sort of, like, faded in the background. Yeah, uh-huh. you do see, she does get the line, like, oh, does the young lady know Mr. Darcy? Right. So she is very fond of Darcy. We get that from her, uh-huh. if only a little bit. That's the kind of thing, it's like, with this movie, it's like, they do take, they do take measures to make sure that, like, the characters are conveyed, even if it's just, like, with one line, so that, like, book readers, like us, can get can get a line and be like oh like this is still like miss mrs reynolds is this is still mrs reynolds this is not Uh just unnamed housekeeper housekeeper. yeah Yeah. this is mrs reynolds who has a deep appreciation for mr darcy of course she while looking at the bus she's like yeah mr darcy's handsome right (laughs) which happens in the book which happens in the book with a portrait i feel like the reading of the line was a little bit more uh like i don't know less subtle than i imagined in the book Oh. Like, like, there's, like, a big smile on her face, you know? Well, it's gotta be. I get... Why? Well, because this letter has changed everything, you know? And here he is, almost in the flesh. He's, like... She's, like... Yeah, he is handsome. I and, guess so. And you know what? I just imagine with more of a smirk than, a, like, <laughs> a big smile. And he proposed to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so she's in the house, um... And while she's, like, wandering around on her own, I guess, Mm -hmm. she happens to see Georgiana, like, playing piano in another room. Mm -hmm. And who should be there but Darcy, acting incredibly affectionately, like, laughing, like, touching Georgiana. Yeah, like, hugging her Uh and, like, picking her up and, like, yeah, like you said, laughing, showing his teeth. (laughs) I feel like that, well, first of all... This is a big difference from the book. That's not how she meets Darcy in the book. They have they leave the house and she sees him walking around from the stables. Mm, yeah. It's it's very intimate. You you would not have seen the owners of a home like on a tour like that. Mm-mm. This is a very odd situation where like Elizabeth should not have been, you know, breaking away from the tour group anyway, but she does and Mr. and Mrs. Um, Gardner are gone, I guess. They're back at the 
at the inn. I don't know. No, no. They must just be in a different part of the house. They're a different right? part of the house. Okay. I don't sure. think they've left Pemberley yet. I don't know because then later How is she on. she get home? She walks, remember? From Pemberley to the inn? Well, she says she's fond of. Remember? She's like, I'll walk. I'm fond of walking. I guess so. It's maybe it's I, not that far. Okay. Well, Pemberley is at least 10 miles round. Okay. Well, I guess the. The movie just conveniently ignores that Maybe you're part. right, and I just missed that part of the movie. Yeah. All right, regardless, she's off on her own. Why do you think they transported this scene inside? Why does she now encounter Darcy, like, from inside the house? Because it's like, well, I guess it's all his domain, but I don't know. I guess, like, the house especially is... Well, it's also like she's caught in the act. You know, she's the one who did a faux pas here. Is, like, spying on him. Right, yeah. like, it's one thing to, like... You know, to like above above board, go tour a house that you're supposed that you're like actually allowed to tour. But it's another like in the book. But then and then go and then like on your way home, you happen to see the owner. But it's another thing to like go sneaking off to his like his study or something, uh-huh. and then like look like literally look in a peephole and or maybe or I think yeah maybe it is a peephole and like look at the the people who live here and get caught. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's more spying, you know, like, yeah. that's all, that's how you, that's how ladies get their information through spying, except this time she got caught. I think it's also like, just a, it's a convenient place to put Darcy being affectionate towards Georgiana, which oh. is a different choice they're making in this movie. Like, I don't imagine that Darcy in the book would be that affectionate. Like, he obviously cares a lot for her, but I don't think he knows how to show affection in that way. No, you know? especially because Georgiana was almost like fearful of her brother and um, was surprised by how, how Elizabeth treated him. Uh, I feel like she would... Like, there, there'd definitely be some kind of distance between the two of them. This is definitely, like, oh, this is a side of Darcy we haven't seen before. Well, in the movie, I feel like it's telling us, hey, look, Darcy is capable of, like, exactly. being affectionate, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, then she gets caught. She tries to run away. He catches up with her. Uh-huh. Um, and then, oh, I think... Maybe I'm wrong, but I want to th- I want to say the song that Georgiana is playing on the piano was the song that Elizabeth played badly at Rosings. Oh, okay. So maybe I'm... Uh-huh. The music is very nice. Music's yeah. very nice. So I think what happened was, like, Darcy went home to tell Georgiana, like, oh, you should learn this piece of music. I heard Miss Bennett play it the other day, and she played beautifully. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, okay. And then... He uh, chases her outside. Yeah. yeah. Then they have a conversation. Yes. What do they talk about? Mm. Not much. Small talk. Small it's, talk, It's yeah. the one, I mean, it's the one time where, like, Elizabeth actually is at a loss for words, and she's the one who, um, she's the one who is kind of scrambling, and Darcy's the one with, like, Darcy's the one with, like, the, the you know, the cards, all the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, he finds out where she's staying, where she and her, uh, aunt and uncle are staying. Where in the book, he's, like, they're both taken by surprise. yeah. Well, he is sort of taken by surprise uh, that she's here. I feel like he doesn't like he doesn't have the cards in the book, though. He's not the one with the power. No in the conversation. No, it's like they both. Yeah, it's like in the book they've both been obviously humbled by their experience, but with in in the in the movie it seems like Elizabeth is the one who actually had to be humbled, like with the letter, like. Like, in the in their interaction between them, it's like, Elizabeth is the one who's truly embarrassed, and Darcy is the one who isn't really all that embarrassed. He's being very polite and gentlemanly, but he, I don't think he's, like, actually embarrassed by his behavior with the proposal. 
I guess, yeah, yeah, he doesn't, he's definitely not as embarrassed in the book, which is, right. is way more prolonged, you know, he sees Elizabeth, they have, like, a, a rushed, awkward conversation, then he walks away, and then he comes back, you know, to have, to continue the conversation and to meet the gardeners. That's right, he hasn't met the gardeners uh, yet. Um, well, so this is a big difference also in the movie, is that all that scene, all the scenes of the gardeners and Elizabeth and Darcy walking around the grounds and, like, looking at the stream, that's all gone. Yeah, that's all gone. Uh, we do get the line from Mr. Gardner talking about how Pemberley has a great, like, pond or something. I don't think Darcy ever officially invites him to come fish for his trout, Oh, does I think he? he does. He does? Yeah, okay. in the, because in the next scene, Darcy, again, Elizabeth spies him, um catches him like talking to the gardeners at the inn so yeah next scene darcy has now come into town and is at the inn the gardeners are staying at yeah like talking them up right which is also Uh not what would have happened back then they would have had elizabeth would have had to introduce darcy to them but in this movie i guess you're just supposed to assume darcy is so formidable a figure that he can just introduce himself to anyone well there's also you know there's a little bit of historical context that would be needed for his introduction to the gardeners because it's like you know, it's almost beneath Darcy to be introduced to the gardeners at all. Yeah. So it's supposed to be surprising that he wants to be introduced. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah, that just wouldn't happen at the time. Right. He wouldn't he wouldn't just introduce himself. Like he would have to go through like someone that knows them. Yeah, and he did like swallow a lot of pride in order to deign to be introduced to the gardeners uh, whereas in this movie it's just like meh he's just treating them like whatever like yeah he just comes up to them at the end and starts having like a friendly conversation yeah with them. and what happens and what do we find out in the conversation is that darcy has invited them to dine with them at at a uh, pemberley mm-hmm. and in addition he wants to introduce his sister to elizabeth right so that's what happens um Later, uh, they go back to Pemberley, and Elizabeth meets Georgiana, and, um, oh, Elizabeth meets Georgiana, Georgiana is, like, ecstatic to meet Mr. Darcy, not at all like the Georgiana in the book, that's another um, deviation they took with Georgiana's character. She's not, like, quite as, like, meek and fussy, I feel like. No, she's not, like, she's not, like, in fear of her brother, or in fear of, like, messing up in society, it's... It's just like, she's just like a sprightly, spunky girl, teenage girl. You know, they take away some of her character, but I think it's just like, they're like, you know, we're so deep in this narrative, we're not going to start <laughs> going into the the insides of Georgiana Darcy, right? Right, right. Oh, and there's also like, I mean, there's also like in the book, there's like total, huge scenes cut away with like Miss Bingley hanging out. No them. more Miss Bingley. No more, yeah. No more, yeah, no more Miss Bingley. Sorry. No more Darcy telling Miss Bingley off. We oh, lose that yeah, scene, sorry. No room for it. We don't yeah. get that. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. There's some mild flirtation going on between Elizabeth and Darcy, and Georgiana notices, and she's happy about it. And then I think here actually is where Darcy invites Mr. Gardner to go fish okay. with him. But that's just, like again, like such a throwaway line. And then later on, Later on, after this scene, um, Elizabeth gets a letter. They're at the, the back of the inn. Elizabeth mm-hmm. gets a letter. She's in tears, and she chokes out that Lydia's run away with Mr. Wickham, and she has to go home. Yeah, it's a funny scene. You know, she shows up and like tries to talk, and then and Darcy and the col- uh, gardeners are sitting there. Yeah, and Darcy like stands up, and she like can't get the words out, and so she walks away. And Darcy sits down, and then she comes back, and Darcy stands up again. <laughs> That's a it's a nice piece of like physical comedy. Yeah, yeah, uh, physical comedy. That being said, it's also like 
you know, it, that's not quite how it would have played out. And it's not how it played out in the book. But she wouldn't have just, like, made this announcement to everyone. Mm -mm. Like, in the book, it was, like, a big deal. Like, she was saying the fact that she even made the communication to Darcy is, like, an indication that she was both under duress and, like, she ha she has some kind of, like, trust for Darcy. That's right. And we, we know that because in the book, it's, like, she, um, she finds out almost, like, in real time... Or not even in children, but like she she finds out about the Lydia Wickham situation, and then Darcy shows up unannounced, and then she is like distraught and just like kind of blurts it out. So it's like yes, she is under duress, and like you said, they have a shared history of Wickham. They both know what Wickham is like, so uh -huh. he, she feels safe talking about it because. Darcy's not gonna go blab to anyone about Wickham because then he would reveal his own dirty laundry. I guess, and that's also really hard to convey only in visuals. I guess I just didn't feel that there in the movie so much like the the implications of like elizabeth would want to keep this secret mm. and the big deal that it is that she would share it with darcy you know yeah yeah maybe it's just like it's not really that important that it would be a secret i don't know it's like well yeah here's yeah go ahead no, what the whole the you know as we get into this part of the movie the lydia narrative is really cut down yes. it is not the same like it does not take up the same space as it does in the book or as it does in, like, other adaptations. Yeah, in the book, it's a harrowing experience for Jane, and for Elizabeth and Jane. And, like, they can't do anything. All they can do is sit around Longbourn and wait for their father to write. And he doesn't fucking write. Uh -huh. And then the gardeners get involved. And well, then... and then there's the whole scene of Mr. Bennett, like, doing his detective work, <laughs> trying to find them. The whole, like, back, like offstage scene, you know? Yeah, uh -huh. there's no real... um. There's no real indication that Mr. Bennett just does a terrible job of his detective work. Like he is not, he 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 is complete. He is completely useless in his search for Lydia. Whereas, like in the book, or sorry, in the movie, it's like it's like you blink and you miss it. Like oh, and she's back. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Honestly, I feel like this is if they did add another half hour, this would be the the place to put it. Mm, you know, yeah, to yeah. really let this play out a little bit more. Right to to yeah exactly like raise the stakes a little bit. Well, it, it does play out in the BBC series. We do see some detective Darcy in action. <laughs> the BBC, I mean, that's the it's the nature of the miniseries is you have a lot more room to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's talk about it. We can keep talking about things they change. Okay. So she gets the news about Lydia and leaves, and mm -hmm. she gets back to Longbourn. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Bennet is in her bed, like, on death's door. <laughs> she is crying, hysterical. Uh, um, you know, she's just like, poor me, poor Lydia. You know, Mr. Ben is going to have to fight it, Wickham and then be killed and la la la. And, um, and then, and then, you know what? And then, you know what? They go downstairs and Mr. Bennet's back with news that they found her. I mean, do they even discuss here, like, why they're getting married, where the money is coming from. Um, I think as, like, the, he, he has the letter with, uh, sorry, Mr. Bennett has the letter with him. They read the letter, it's from their uncle, and that's where, that's where they discover, or that's where they think they discover that Mr. Um, Gardner has paid off Wickham. Okay. So it's there. It just it's happens there. really quickly. We just have uh -huh. to, yeah. It's another thing where it's just sort of like it's. It doesn't even matter because no one's watching this period drama to like be to like learn about the financials, the finances of marriage. Well, Wickham is, you know, he's softened by omission. Like there's a lot less of the talk of 
I mean, he's still like a child abductor basically in this book. <laughs> but there's there's not no talk about his debts or whatever. Yeah, yeah. there's no talk about his debts about uh, him being like driven out of every town he's been in because of his debts. Right. It's just like, and then Mr. Garner paid off Wickham to marry marry Lydia, and for like a very little amount of money per year. Does Mr. Bennett say anything about how he wants to pay Mr. Gardner back? I'm I think now. I think so. He, he says just, he says something about like we owe him a lot or something like that. Okay. Was, yeah. And then Mr. Bennett is not put through the ringer in the same way he is in the book in these scenes. No. You don't there's you don't see the humbling of Mr. Bennett quite so much. No, hard, no. Cuz that comes through how prolonged Lydia is gone. Like you yeah. really feel those couple of weeks that she's living in sin with Wickham. They're not really sweating at all. There's also, you know, there's they do play the the quick turnaround of Mrs. Bennett. It's like, "Oh, I'm great and I'm happy yeah. now." But it's not it just is not quite as comical without the weeks of her right. being hysterical about like uh, Jane being brought, having to bring their her tea up, and Mr. Uh, Bennett being like, "Oh, the parade, the yeah, parade, yeah." yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and then yeah, so like you said, Mrs. Bennett is you know 100 percent again. She puts on her shawl. She's like, the servants will have a bowl of punch, mm-hmm. and then there's she even the, says, "I'm gonna tell tell Lady Lucas." Lady Lucas, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there's that line that you mentioned, which is like. Miss, I think she's talking about, oh, she's like, oh, I'm so happy my daughter's married. And then Elizabeth's like, is that all you care about? And then Mrs. Bennett goes, when you have five daughters, tell, let me know what you think about. Let me know what, what's on your mind all the time or something like that. Uh-huh. And then Elizabeth's like, she says something like, you have no idea or something like that. And I think that's what you were referring to, like, Mrs. Bennett being lucid and aware of her situation. She should, Mrs. Bennett in the book cannot, like speak for herself in such a clear way you know or make such like concise arguments nor do i think elizabeth would really like try to challenge her just because she knows that'd be a waste of time yeah no this is a much more lucid mrs bennett who is who there is still hope she's capable of being rational no she's given an an incredible amount of dignity (laughs) in this movie and it's also it's mostly similar to wickham mostly by omission yeah she's definitely pushed the edges of this movie (laughs) yeah well then, so Lydia and Wickham arrive. Mm-hmm. Wickham in his powder blue coat. Lydia is showing off her ring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very, you know, both of them unashamed, walking into Longbourn, um, eating at the at the table. Oh, speaking of humbling Mr. Ben, I think this is where you do see the line about Kitty being like, oh, maybe I'll go to Brighton or something. And then Mr. Ben being like, absolutely not. It's just it's just lost in like the the din of the conversation. Uh-huh. So a little bit of him learning his lesson. Yeah, and then uh, and then you know Lydia, oh so oh so you know subtly lets lets it out that um, Darcy was at her and Wickham's wedding, and I think in the book as we were reading it we weren't quite sure whether or not Lydia intentionally uh-huh. spilled that was the a beans question. Or, or if she was just so careless that it <laughs> came out. Yeah, but I think. With how the scene plays out in the movie, it's like Lydia 100% intended for that to come out. It feels up. intentional in the movie. Yeah, she's like, yeah. oh, sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to say that, uh, you know. It's <laughs> like a status symbol, maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's this cute little, um, another like uh, physical comedy where the more Lydia's talking, I think Elizabeth is sitting next to her and Lydia has like her glass of wine in front of her and Elizabeth keeps switching the wine glass with her <laughs> own water glass so that Lydia will stop drinking and then. I think after this scene, Lydia switches the water glass back to the wine glass. That's funny. I like visual moments like that, you know, things you wouldn't see in the book. Yeah, it's these moments that actually, it's like, it's moments like these, which is why I keep watching this movie. It's like, I just, 
like picking up these little like these little indi- indications of their character because it's just there's so much going on there is so much like the characters are so unique in their own way like you have to rely on physical you have to rely on the physical to convey their characters they can't it can't all be through exposition and it really shouldn't be through exposition no, if no. it's a movie uh-huh. so it's just I, I really appreciate what they do to dis, to like dis, make each character distinct um it's yeah. hard it's hard to like you know put the level of depth that each character has into only physical gestures yeah yeah well so then they uh go to his next post mm-hmm. lydia is shouting goodbye from the carriage and she's being annoying yeah and it's like a blink and you and you miss it moment but wickham does sort of like like rack like like pull her down to sit into the carriage and i think that's just like an indication that it's already off to their unhappy marriage <laughs> exactly yeah again you don't get all like the history of elizabeth and wickham but right just no room for it here i guess mm. okay so then we are in Meryton and mrs bennett and the daughters are there and we're informed that who's back in town but bingley Yay. Uh, and in this in the book i think it's like mrs phillips tells it's like through like telephone. Mrs. Phillips heard from a servant who told her that um, a servant of Netherfield Park is buying ch- chicken or something, uh, and that means that the master of the household is back. Of course, no Aunt Phillips in this book. Sorry, guys. I mean, in this movie, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, no Phillipses. Everyone's favorite, <laughs> and Phillips. And um, okay, so of course Bingley's back in town. So Bingley and Darcy are gonna show up in Longbourn very ooh, soon after, right? In their blue coats. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, oh, well, this is the scene the, um, leading up to Bingley and Darcy, because Bingley and Darcy, they're walking up to Longboy, walking up the property, and the Mrs. Bennet and the daughters are Oh, just, yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're just, like, lounging around the sitting room. It's a, it's a mess, and, um... We've talked about this before, how, yeah, yeah it's a, a nice insight into how a lot of their days would have been spent, which is idleness, <laughs> like, yeah. trying to find things to do. Right, sewing, reading... No, what have Mrs. you. Mrs. Bennett sleeping. <laughs> With, like, I think a plate of, like, snacks on her belly or something. Uh-huh. Just, like, snoozing away. Um, and then, yeah, Bingley and Darcy show up, and then there's this comedic moment where they're, like, trying to straighten up the room, and they're, like, throwing things and moving chairs, and um, I do appreciate that. I think throughout the entire scene, Mrs. Bennett is just, like, yelling at Mary. Just, like, only Mary. Like, <laughs> like stop stop doing this, Mary. Stop doing that, Mary. Like, why are you being so difficult, Mary? And it's just, like, classic, like, middle child, like, <laughs> abuse. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, then, you know, this the housekeeper um, brings Darcy and Bingley into the room, and they're, like, all prim and proper again, mm-hmm. sitting down at their respective chairs. Yeah, they're all very nicely arranged with yeah. Jane in the front. It's a That's it's, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then um the reintroduction is awkward. Mrs. Bennett bulldozes the entire conversation. Um I do like like I don't know if we talked about this before, but I I like the I like the characterization of Bingley in this in this movie. It's not a I mean it's not a it's not a particularly difficult Mm-hmm. role to play but i think it's done real well um he, you know he's he's very accommodating very puppy doggy like you know very cordial not even cordial she's like a very friendly you know albeit like sometimes kind of awkward i think i think it's just like to make him more that much more endearing is to have him be like a little bit awkward 
Both Bingley and Jane are cut down, but they get the essential parts of their character out, I feel like. You know, mm. they're both accommodating. Obviously, Jane thinks, like, you know, thinks way too well of people. Bingley is, like, not discerning, a not discerning judge of character, really. No, no. He, yeah, he's just kind of, like, you, I mean, he's kind of like a puppy dog, just kind of, like, follows whoever will lead him. Mm. Um, and then... He kind of, I think he, like, loses his nerve and, like, runs out of the house. Well, I think that, like, scene, it's pretty quick. It's kind of the stand-in for, like, the, all those scenes we saw of Darcy and Bingley at the, at Longbourn, and Darcy is kind of, like, sussing out what the deal is, right? That's right. Uh, I think that part gets skipped. We're just sort of, like, Darcy almost just, like, takes Elizabeth's word for it that Jane actually does, like bingley a lot or loves bingley so i guess that like them showing up in the movie is just like they're being like hey we're here again we're gonna yeah. start like showing up again right? yeah, yeah we're back I, it almost seems like especially with what comes afterwards it kind of seems like that was when bingley was just like gonna propose to jane like right then and there and i think he just like loses his nerve and like runs out in like a panic okay i think that's what i got from it well that would make sense because the next scene is we see darcy and bingley like by a pond and like <laughs> the same pond the same pond where um, Elizabeth stood when Mr. Bennett told her she didn't, she shouldn't marry Colin. So on Longbourn, I guess. I guess uh, so on Longbourn. <laughs> and uh, Bingley is like rehearsing his proposal, and Darcy even like plays the part of Jane for a second. <laughs> it's funny. It's nice. It's one of the few non-Elizabeth scenes in the movie. Yeah, uh -huh. not just that, but like one of the few scenes where it's like only men we never get any insight into how men just behave by themselves because in the book but in this scene they're like we're just gonna we're gonna have this little scene between the bros see how the besties are doing are getting along uh, yeah i guess so i guess to maybe be like hey there's no bad blood between them there's yeah no feelings, there's no bad blood and right? in, in uh, fact it's like not only has darcy given his approval he is also helping him propose to jane oh that's another thing yeah it's like we it's just like we we see now that like darcy has given permission <laughs> in a way for right he, for, he's gonna help this on yeah right? yeah and then he, he comes back <laughs> it's very um it's very endearing he comes back he like opens the door and he's like can I please have a moment alone with Jane? And, like, there's no, um... We miss all... Well, you know, it takes so much longer for this to play out in the book, like Bingley leading up to proposing, but there's none of the maneuvers of Mrs. Bennet to get them all alone in the room together. No. It's Bingley who's like, give me a second. I want, you know, to talk to Jane by myself, which is very forward. This is his, like, hero redemption moment. This uh -huh. is, like, he, he has come back to, um to what's the word like to um eat crow because he knows he'd be messed up by you know ghosting jane essentially so he's gonna like do the honorable thing now and just like marry her <laughs> so then um you know true to his word he proposes to jane um we do get a like like what you said with like um collins putting down the flower and then it cutting away it, here we have bingley getting down on one knee and then cutting away. Mm -hmm. So you do get your wish of having a proposal because <laughs> um Well, I guess that's reflect like reflects how we don't actually see the proposal in the book. That's right, yeah. Well yeah, because you're right. It's like one moment one moment Jane and Bingley are hanging out, unmarried, unengaged, and then the next moment they're engaged. Uh -huh. So um Bingley has that line about being an ass, which <laughs> I think is a cute 
touch because he kind of was being an ass. Uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then, like, you know, like, true to every other interaction in the household, everyone is listening in at the door, except Elizabeth. Elizabeth is like, she knows what's going to happen. She doesn't need to inter, in, inter, you know, interrupt or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and I think at that moment, this moment, it's like she's also thinking about her own proposal or her own lost proposal. Because then it cuts to Darcy right. looking back at Longbourn, mm. <laughs> you know, sun-kissed. So many sun-kissed scenes. <laughs> um, he's looking back and then he's walking away. Is both the implications clear? It's like, well, there's there's some unfinished business still, right? There's, there's unfinished one business. more uh, engagement that needs to be. Well, there's almost happen. the scene is almost like, oh no, like is this it? Like, like is 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 there no chance for Elizabeth and Darcy now? Um, but you know, later that night, don't worry. Um, there's a knock. Well, no, it's not a knock. It's like a bark in the in the uh, from like the yard, and you hear carriages pull up. Oh, wait, well, no, we're in the middle of, like, well, this is not really relevant, but, like, Jane and Elizabeth are talking about their engagement, about Mm -hmm. her engagement, and Jane says something about Miss Bingley being a a bitch. (laughs) Not in those words, but... She says something way harsher than is in the book. Yeah. But Elizabeth is, in similar to the book, she uh, congratulates her as, like, that's the most unforgiving speech ever (laughs) she gives. So we get to see Jane's progression a little bit. She becomes a little more hardened. Yeah. I also, I feel... I. I'm, like, disappointed how cut down the moments are of the Jane-Elizabeth interaction. Those Mm. conversations are a lot fewer and, like, shorter. But I like the visual of them both under, like, the blanket. Yeah, yeah, in the beginning, they're, Mm. like, they're talking after the, um, after the Meriton Assembly, I think. Yeah, they're, like, talking to covers, like, gossiping, like, like, sisters would. And so Lady Catherine shows up in the middle of the night. That, of course, is different from the book, but it's, like, it's changed to show how, like, domineering and commanding she is. Like, that's very improprietous, but it's on purpose. It's, like, Lady Catherine does not care at all, right? Mm -hmm. She's gonna, if she needs some business to get done, she'll show up in the middle of the night to do it. Yeah, that's a little, I mean, that's also just, you know, it elevates the stakes. Or, yeah, it elevates the stakes because you know it's one thing to show up at like breakfast time and you're like oh like we have an uninvited guest it's another thing to be like everyone's dead asleep and she is going to make you wake up in your nightgown and invite her into your house not even invite her she just she like walks into the house Mm -hmm. like she owns it um and she's also way more she is more aggressive here than in the book and the book here she's like I need to talk to Elizabeth right now. Where I mean, in the movie, rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the book, she's, like, a little bit more circumspect about it. She, like, comes in, like, very haughty and quiet. Mm-hmm. It's like, Elizabeth, there's a prettiest sort of little woods over there. Like, <laughs> why don't you take me for a walk, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's an interesting... Because it's, like, it would be more strategic for Lady Catherine to not let everyone else know what's up. But maybe she just thinks like, well, she does think the entire family's in on it, so she's just like, I'm just gonna disrupt their their life because they ruined mine. Uh-huh. And here's one of the things I feel like this these later scenes feel more rushed than the earlier scenes. Mm. Like what we kind of miss in like condensing the action so much is all this uh, like 
all the suspense that's built up of whether Darcy is actually still going to propose again, right? Yeah. Because, like, Elizabeth, you know, after the whole thing with Lydia, she's like, well, he's definitely not going to want to be part of the family now. This is from the book. Mm -hmm. And then when he shows up with Bingley and ignores Elizabeth altogether, she's like, well, this doesn't bode well, right? (laughs) So... I feel like it would add, like, that's how it builds suspense in the book. Like, you're still not sure whether she's really going to get together with Darcy or not, right? Yeah. And that's why it's so surprising when Lady Catherine shows up out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and is like, don't marry my son-in-law, right? Or my nephew, rather. Right, Uh, right. And it's like, yeah, like, it's like, that is not... That is so out of the realm of possibility to Elizabeth in that moment. But here, it's like, like, in the movie, it's like, well, you know... It's it's just a matter of time before Darcy repeats what Bingley did with Elizabeth. So it's just like a matter of time. But here it's like, we know that in the movie it's just like, Lady Catherine showing up is just going to be like one more one more um, trial for Elizabeth. Right. And then, you know, it's it's mentioned here, but it's really driven home in the book how like she's the perverse fairy godmother, Lady <laughs> Catherine, like of making this match happen by trying to destroy it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, this is the other instance of a scene being moved from outside to inside. Mm -hmm. This conversation that Elizabeth has with Lady Catherine in the book is they're outside and walking around, and here she is in her pajamas. It's in, like, the sitting room or something. (laughs) Yeah, Uh the same room that I think Jane gets engaged in. Um, The the same room where a lot of stuff happens, but most recently is where uh, Jane gets engaged in. Um... Yeah, well, besides, you know, the obvious fact that it's nighttime, so they have to, they should be indoors, not outdoors. Why do you think they moved it to indoors? I mean, I think they wanted it to happen at night, and it couldn't for a lot, and they can't do it outdoors (laughs) for a lot of reasons. Like, they wouldn't go walking around at night. Right, Uh, right. Um... Maybe, like, it, they thought it would make Lady Catherine seem more imposing. Like, she's in this, like, like relatively shabby house, like, this mm. big personage, and she's, like, bossing people around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, what do you think? Uh, yeah, that I agree with that. It's, um, it's like an intrusion. Like, she's intruding into Elizabeth's yeah, definitely. life here uh, by being, like, in her in her home, like, her, you know, her, her safe space. It's supposed to feel like more of a ta- an attack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Showing up in the middle of the night, like, walking all around your home like she owns the place. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. right. So it is, like, more of an intrusion in that way. Um, more, yeah. And so, you know, we know what happens. It's more or less the same thing. This ar- the, not arguing, but, like, the the battle of the minds between Elizabeth and Lady Catherine. Here we actually, that's something that the movie decided to do, which is to omit the fact that Darcy was sort of like promised to um, Anne de Bourgh um, until the the very end here. She mentions it, but it's kind of out of nowhere here in the movie. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I mean... It's like, yeah, that is supposed to be uh, Lady Catherine's, like, tr- trump card. And mm-hmm. Elizabeth is just like... Well, the difference is here, Elizabeth actually doesn't know that. Whereas, like, in the book, Elizabeth already knew that Darcy was sort of sort of tenuously engaged to um, Lady Catherine's daughter. Yeah, Mr. Berg. So, I don't know. Maybe it, it is supposed to be shocking. Like, oh, shit, like, Elizabeth really has no chance with Mr. Darcy if he's already engaged and... Um, maybe we're not supposed to really believe Lady Catherine when she says this. I think my problem with the scene 
unlike the scene at dinner, I just didn't feel like it was Elizabeth going toe-to-toe with Lady Catherine. I see. You know, she was obviously, like, contradicting her and saying, no, like, I won't marry your, uh... Mm. your nephew i mean no i won't promise not to marry your nephew right right but it just doesn't like it's still it doesn't ever feel like elizabeth turns the tables and gains the upper hand on lady Catherine, which is something that happens in the book you know and i think honestly that is it's in the performance and it's not entirely kira knightley's fault like that's how they decided that they were going to make the movie but like she, like, what you needed right there was someone who was going to go toe-to-toe with Judy Dench, and it just didn't feel like that happened. I know what you mean, because, yeah, you're right. In the book, it's supposed, like, you like we you talked about this in the episode where we discussed this chapter, but, um, sorry if you hear sirens. Um, like, in, in the beginning of the chapter, Lady Catherine's like, I'm here to make my sentiments known or something like that. And then at the end of the chapter, Elizabeth's like, you now know my sentiments, please leave. Uh-huh. So yeah, it is like, it's turning the tables. It's like, it's like, oh shit, like actually Lady Catherine is in, um, is in like, is in Elizabeth's domain. Whereas like in here, in, in the movie, it's very obvious that like Elizabeth is barely holding her own against Lady Catherine. And there's also, I feel like there are tears in her eyes in this interaction. Um. I don't. I don't know. We, we can go back and check. We can go back and look. Maybe not like crying. Yeah. It just see. It's not she like she's like on the verge of tears. Yeah. She's like you know you've insulted me in every way and it's like <laughs> I don't know you feel the it's like it doesn't feel as resentful as it should kind of it feels more it feels more hurt than I'm yeah, like than like, than I'm warring with you right right, right. Uh-huh. it's like yeah it's more like yeah like Elizabeth is like hurt and it's almost like Elizabeth knows it would be perverse. For her to be married to, for her to be engaged to Darcy in the in this movie scene, because because she is like she is like not being able to like hold her own against Lady Catherine. But in the in the book, she's like I'm like Darcy's a gentleman. I'm a gentleman's daughter. It's it's all kosher. Uh-huh. So yeah, it, it, I don't know. I think it's just because they wanted to demonstrate Judy Dench's power. <laughs> Yeah, but I feel like that should have established that. That should be established already, and then the joy of this scene is getting to watch someone, like, take her on. I know. You know? It's not uh-huh. It's not a... Now that I think about it, it's not a good look for Elizabeth. Because, yeah, it's sort of like she loses this argument, um, even though... I mean, she does win it. She does uh-huh. win it, but, like, in the in the actual, like, argument, like, she, does ju- she, doesn't, she doesn't make the promise, but she is hurt by Lady Catherine, you know? in this battle of words right which i feel like the elizabeth of the book like sees through lady catherine's bs like the whole time well i think i hate to say it but i think it's because then the next scene ugh, with darcy showing up like a knight in shining armor kind of is like he's here to save elizabeth i think do you know what i mean i i get what you're saying yeah it's like uh. i don't want it to like i think that's kind of like, it's a little bit how it reads. Is like, Elizabeth has been hurt by this, like, domineering figure. And, well, we could get... That's how it plays in the movie. That's how it plays in the movie, sorry. And then, like, she is, like, like, licking her wounds, kind of, in the field. And then, and then you know, Mr. Darcy shows up. It's a, and to rescue her, kind of. It's... it's mm. Well, yeah, in the book, it's like, this is a final challenge for Elizabeth. She's got to defeat Lady Catherine now, <laughs> right? And she does. Yeah, uh-huh. and she does, but... 
If anything, Darcy is, like, the meeker one in the book, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. All right, so should we just move on to yeah, the proposal? Okay, okay so, so, yeah. Lady Catherine leaves in a huff, and then the family's like, what's going We're on? We're outside once more. They're yeah. also listening in. But I guess they couldn't hear what was happening. <laughs> Not really yeah. quite. And uh, then they're like, what's going on? And Elizabeth's like, leave me alone! <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is, I don't know, whatever. It's just, you're right. It, it's all moving a little too fast. It, um... And she's trying to go to sleep, and she can't. And then she goes outside, goes for a walk, because that's what Elizabeth loves doing. And um, she sees in the distance, in the fog, Mr. Darcy uh-huh. walking, walking through the fog in his blue coat and his open shirt. <laughs> well, the walking, and this is something they mentioned for the movie, so I'll give him credit to that. It's a very nice bookend to Elizabeth walking to mm, Netherfield. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. And it's... It's probably the iconic image of this movie. What do you think? Darcy coming sure, through the fog. Totally. Uh, yeah, the hero coming in again to rescue this princess that was like hurt by the dragon that is Lady Catherine. It is so stupid now that I say it out loud. Uh, well, no, I mean, the end of Pride and Prejudice, Pride and Prejudice does have the, fi- the fairy tale quality, you know, the book itself. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. Like, no, there's nothing wrong uh, with it. It is, it is kind of doing Elizabeth a dis... I never thought about it before. But yeah, it is, it is doing Elizabeth the character a disservice by having her be so affected by Lady Catherine. Because it is... A, has Essentially, she may have, like... She may have, like, not promised to uh, not marry Darcy. But at the same time... She, the way that she... The way that she conducted herself, it's a, kind of like she is admitting that she is beneath Darcy and Lady Catherine and that in order to like to marry Darcy would be perverse would be you know sh- <laughs> shading the the um the, the polluting the shades polluting of the shades of Pemberley they do get that line in uh-huh. they do get that line yeah. in i do the close up on Judy Dench's face and it's just like <laughs> nothing but vitriol coming out of her mouth um yeah i mean Okay, so he walks through the fog. It's a great scene. I mean, it's a great visual, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I like, and then we get the proposal scene, which is very different than the book because I feel like here Darcy is the one who's running the show. Yeah, he's like, well, okay. So he says, like the book, that he wasn't sure, but then he heard from Lady Catherine, and now he knows, right? right. He heard from Lady Catherine that Elizabeth refused to give him up. And now he knows that she, like, cares about him. Mm-hmm. But it's like he comes up, he broaches the topic. I can't quite... That's This is also the scene when we learn that... When he learns that she knows about Lydia and how he paid for that marriage. Yeah. Does she bring it up? I can't quite remember now. No, she... Um, yeah, yeah, I think she brings it up because she says, like, something, something about what you did for Lydia and I suspect what you did for Jane right yeah it's all it's just all a lot more direct and then darcy's like you have to know that i did it all for you which Mm -hmm. of course is different in the book in the book he's like well i did it for this reason and then maybe like underneath yeah (laughs) like i was doing it for you right yeah and also there's a scene where elizabeth elizabeth you know she in the book these are the sequence of events she brings up the lydia marriage and then they get to the topic of lady catherine yeah and then darcy proposes and there's even like a conversation later where elizabeth like would you have proposed if i hadn't mm-hmm. brought up lydia in the first place right so elizabeth in the book really leads darcy into being able to propose yeah where i feel like in the movie it's darcy's like here i am uh, here i am to propose you know well that's i mean it's a classic romance movie the man has to take initiative the man has to take the lead he has to 
trudge through the fog and in the dark in the woods to you know seek out the princess and and propose on his own, of his own accord uh-huh. he doesn't have to be goaded into it or egged on or encouraged by by the lady we don't want another like scene where they have to come up with an excuse for going on a walk right yeah uh-huh. yeah it's it's i mean it's all it's so it's all for purely cinematic reasons it's just like let's just let's just get it all out in the open that elizabeth knows about lydia and darcy knows about lady catherine coming and elizabeth knows about um uh, whatever and 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 darcy says it was all for you it wasn't because i thought i owed you something to propose it was like i love you it was because i love you i really feel like this third like their their third act the you know the attitude the Parts of the movie that cover the third volume could have used just a little bit more breathing room. Uh, yeah, I agree. I get it. Like, they want to maintain momentum. They're like, here, we're getting to the, you know, we're cresting here, right? But Yeah. There, it is hard to visually convey ladies waiting around in a house <laughs> for mail to <laughs> arrive. Uh, yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> M-I-A, M-A-I-L mail. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. M-A-I-L for <laughs> Mail to arrive. And M-A-L-E. And M-A-L-E <laughs> to arrive. Uh, so it, there has to be some, like, dynam- dynamic um, shots thrown in. But it's, you know, for the to the movie's credit, like, I think it's always... The movie's at its best when they're relying on visuals. Yeah. And the visuals are incredibly romantic, and they sell the emotion of the scene. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, what we are quibbling with is... It's in how it relates to the book. Yeah. Or I would say, you know, the movie does its job of, like, selling this romance. Like, you want to see them get together. Yes, you definitely want to see them get together. Because at the very, ba- at the, like, at the very basic level, it's just, it's about two people who you don't think in a million years would get together, and mm-hmm. they get together. Right. So a that's, classic, yeah, and, romantic, move, like, story setup. Yeah, uh-huh. and this movie does a great job of conveying that. The, in the beginning, these two people who are butting heads who don't agree on anything, somehow manage to find each other and love each other and get married. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's all you need. <laughs> no, but... And there's, you know, Darcy, like, descends, you know, from his, like, lofty... He descends from his throne, you know, yeah. right? He, he is... We get the sense that he does change. Do you, do you think... Do you think we get the sense that he changes in this movie? Um... I think that's kind of the problem, is that... I don't really get the sense he changed. Well, okay, no, I take it back. I think I get the sense that he changes not his pride. I don't think he becomes less proud. I think he just becomes less shy of his, like, real, quote-unquote, real personality. Like, the thing with uh, with Darcy is just that, like, people... he While he was proud, it's just, like, people thought everything that he did down to, like, his, like, not interacting with people is because of his pride. But it's actually partly because he's unable to uh, socialize and interact with people. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the only part of him that really changes, is that now he is more comfortable, or at least he'll put in more effort to... I think that's the key. He's in it. I'm sorry to interrupt no, wait, wait, wait. you. But, like, Darcy of the book, at least, the key is he's got to make an effort, right? Yeah. He's got to make an effort to get to know people better, right? Right, right. Uh, and I think the... The movie does a good job of, like, he has changed now because now he makes more of an effort to get to know people, like the gardeners. Um, but I don't think he becomes less proud because I don't think his pride really comes through in the movie either. Like, 
it, it's mean, less. It comes through it's less. It comes through so, less. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I think, yeah. It's not like his pride in his status. I think it's just his pride in that he's not a ridiculous person, I think. That's, yeah. that's where the pride comes from. But I don't think he humbles himself. I think he just, like, learns how to socialize better. And maybe that's all you need, you know? It's like, we don't... It's, like, it's not quite pride. It's just, like, it's like in the movie, Elizabeth isn't even all that prejudiced. Uh-huh. It's just, like, these two people, you know... One person, I mean, we, we go back to the original sin. One person dissed the other lady, uh, and right. now the whole movie, the whole story is about how do we how do we amend that? How do we get back to the two of them getting together? One person was a little too full of himself, and the other person was a little too quick to write that person off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's all yeah. it is. That's like that's the only two two major. Um, two major actions that we see these the characters do in the movie. And then the whole movie is just about them being able to find a way back to each other. It's not about them unlearning how to be themselves. Uh, or the worst parts of themselves. The, rather, the, yeah, the worst parts of themselves. There's definitely far less of the human... Like, Darcy walking is the sign of, like, I'm making the effort. That's but right. But there's a lot less of the humiliations. Like, it's important to Austin, even after they get together, to give us that one, those couple last chapters where Darcy's basically put through the ringer <laughs> with the family. Yeah. Where he's got to, like, these are, like, hum- this is part of the humiliation process for Darcy to, like, have to sit in Aunt Phillips' drawing room and listen to her vulgarities, right? I don't even think we get a single scene with Darcy and Mrs. Bennet, like, even, like, at the same table or something. We don't, yeah, like like you said, we don't see him being truly humble. Like, he doesn't have to... At most, we see him engage with the gardeners. And that's because we like the gardeners. Uh-huh. We don't get the context of, like, he is stooping below his his status to talk to the gardeners. It's just like he recognizes the gardeners are good people, so he talks to them. Right. I mean, it probably, like, a lot of it probably has something to do with the time periods. Like, maybe we just don't quite have the taste that a Regency reader had to for, like, the the purification, the process of purification that is humiliation, <laughs> you know? That's a very important thing to, like, reader contemporaries of Austin. Yeah. Or, like, you know... Like, class is a part of this movie, but it's just not as integral. Like, a big part of the end of Pride of Prejudice is Darcy is now pulling all of these people up into the upper <laughs> classes. Into, a, like, an upper... The upper classes with them, Yeah, right? the upper, uh, upper class, Especially, yeah. like, primarily Elizabeth, but especially the gardeners. Especially the gardeners. The gardeners, uh, like like we said, in, or you said in the that chapter, is, like, they are just, like, one generation removed from the Bingleys now. And that's part of Darcy's humiliation also. It's like, he thought... His family was, like, irreproachable, mm-hmm. and now he's bringing all these people who he really doesn't like yeah. into the family, right? Well, yeah, uh, like, going way back to them talking about accomplished women, like, that was that was his ideal, not ideal, but, like, that was the wife that he had in mind, was, I need to marry someone who was accomplished, who was, um, like, a, like, highborn, mm-hmm. and who, um, has all of these, like, social qualities of, like, well, maybe even just, like, someone who also understands that they are above everyone else. Uh-huh. And instead, she he marries someone who is much more lowborn, even though she's a gentleman, gentleman's daughter, but only, like, half. <laughs> right. <laughs> she's half genteel. Um, she's a mutt. <laughs> uh-huh. and, um, who has ridiculous, terrible connections. No, no um, accomplishment. She can't draw, can't sing, can't really do anything uh-huh. can't paint yeah and um he marries her that's 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 the perfect woman for her is someone who was the complete opposite of what he thought he was going to marry mm-hmm. 
But like, which they do include that scene in this movie. They do it's a nice it. scene. Maybe uh, that is sort of like part of the humiliation is that Darcy had all of these like boxes to check, and then Elizabeth checked no boxes, <laughs> and he realized that actually that was the perfect woman for him. Mm-hmm. Whereas Bingley, and this is you know they do a good job of selling him as like the puppy dog. He's <laughs> like every I hear so many women spoken of as accomplished. It's I can't I'm so surprising that every woman is accomplished. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he does do a good job of just sort of, like, blindly kind of, like, going with the flow of things. I don't. Maybe, I, yeah, I guess you're right. It's just, you know, it's the movie just trying to accomplish different things. It's mm-hmm. more of just, like, yeah, like you said, like, here are two people who initially didn't like each other who came to fall in love. Mm-hmm. Rather than here are two people who had fundamental flaws, pride and prejudice, and who learned to, like, overcome them, slash they were, like, whipped out of them. <laughs> they were beat out of them, right? Yeah, right, uh, exactly. Because that's just, that's way too, that's a, that's a much more complex story. And that's not even, I don't think, a story that can fit into a single movie. I mean, that's the prerogative of Austin, is to tell that story, to tell the story of two people who learned to overcome, like, A, his pride, and B, her prejudice. Yeah. And then fall in love in the process, where the movie is... More of just a straightforward, like, love story. Yeah. And that, like, again, it just makes you appreciate Austin that much more. Like, she did, like, anyone can write a story about two people, like, overcoming their differences to fall in love. But to write a story about two people who have fundamental flaws and learn to become better people and then fall in love, like, that's, that's another undertaking. And that's, like, it, like, makes the, um, it makes the final reward of their, of their marriage that much more, um, fulfilling and that much more um um robust because right. it, it comes not just from like oh these two people learn to learn like oh the other person isn't actually that bad it's just like these people learn to be better people and then that's why they deserve a, a perfect marriage uh-huh. well those were two things that were gonna they wouldn't be able to have a perfect marriage if you know <laughs> if elizabeth was bringing like bias into it and darcy was bringing this like almost intolerable pride <laughs> yeah yeah Okay, but yeah, you know, like, Austin needed, I don't know, like, 300 pages to do that. Right. And not a page less. And that's mm-hmm. that's why Pride and Prejudice is a full-length novel. And a movie just can't, you know, a screenplay usually takes up, like, however many minutes it lasts. So this, like, 100-page yeah. screenplay is going to be, that's a lot sparser. Mm-hmm. There's a lot less story you can tell in that than a 300-page novel. Right. You're going to be spinning many plates per page. And you so. just can't. You know, this is why novels are the ultimate form of media. <laughs> you you can't get into people's brains in the same way in movies. I mean, you can, but through different through through tropes that are like come that come from novels, like, yeah, like narration, like narration and things like that. You shouldn't like a movie should be like visual storytelling, right. which this is. So to its credit, it's it's all visual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, all and right. it it is like cathartic. That like their their engagement scene, the proposal. It and, is. Uh, it's cathartic. The sun is rising. It's the start of a brand new era. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's very you know very visually stunning. There's like the the sun like behind them and the silhouette of the two of them together embracing. It's like finally after after you know a hundred minutes they are finally together. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's another thing that I. I can't quite tell if the movie I don't I don't know. What I really appreciate about the the book is that you can tell time is passing by. Like we start in like like the like autumn time or mm-hmm. something and then we end the next year like at autumn. It, it's full circle. 
Whereas like with the movie, it's just sort of like you can't. There's no. There's no real. There's no real、um, timekeeping. It's just sort of like, at some point, it could be months. It could be. I mean, yeah, it's gonna be months. Like they get together. Like we don't quite know how how long it took. Months have passed. Months yeah, have I guess、passed. that was that. That was the purpose of the the spinning、uh, montage. Oh, that's right.、Uh-huh. Yeah, just to show you time passing. Time has passed, but like it's almost like that's such a like the movie could have even existed without that. Like it could have just been like, and then you know Elizabeth goes to visit Charlotte.、Uh-huh. It's like it didn't necessarily need to include that, but like if if time if the if in order to indicate time passing, you need like a montage that could be. Deleted. I feel like then that doesn't do a good job of conveying that time has passed. <laughs> um, at, in Synecdoche, New York, that movie. They, this is kind of off topic, but scenes jump like crazy. Like in one minute you'll be in Halloween, and then <laughs> in the very next scene it's Christmas. So yeah, that, that's one like, way to do that, I guess. Give me some、uh, like visualization、yeah. that time has passed. You know, like leaves falling or people wearing winter winter wear or something like something to tell me that time is passing. But I don't know. It's just. Whatever. Okay. That's just my one one gripe. Oh, I also forgot to mention this. After Jane and Bingley finally get engaged, there is a scene that totally retcons the characters of、uh, Mr. Bennett and Mrs. Bennett. Probably the biggest、oh, change, where they're yeah, lying in、yeah. bed together. I know you. And Mr.、Like、Bennett、it. says,、uh, "It's shot through the window. It looks very nice." He、yeah. says a line that he said to Elizabeth in the book, which is, "They're always going to exceed their income. They're、mm-hmm. always going to let their servants cheat them." Right. <laughs> which is. That that is a totally different relationship than the Mister and Missus Bennett of the book have. Yeah, they do not sleep in the same room. <laughs> they are not intimate on, in the least bit. You, you know, know. think they're having like nighttime talks before they go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mister Bennett's prerogative is to talk as little as possible to Missus Bennett. <laughs> yeah, and then Liz,、uh, uh, Missus Bennett says something like, "Oh, I knew she couldn't have been so beautiful for nothing." Like that line is meant to just highlight Missus Bennett's ridiculousness in the book, but here it's like she is like. That is her way of showing love to Jane. Is like, oh, thank God that she got married, or else her beauty would have been squandered.、Uh, I think it's just like in the movie they wanted to make the Bennets a caring family on some level, and make the Bennets have a caring marriage on some level, which is just. I know, I know. That is, especially the marriage, like the Bennett marriage, is a disaster. It is not a good marriage in the book, you know. <laughs> yeah, the Bennett marriage should be like a clue as to why the daughters are the way they are. It's a it's a cautionary tale. The Bennett yeah. marriage. Yeah.、Uh, well, that's not what the movie wanted to do. Unfortunately, you want the movie wants you to root for all of the Bennets. You know, you want Mrs. Bennett to get what she deserves, which is happiness. I mean, <laughs> in the movie, which is one of the. Funniest things about the book is Austin, who you know makes her two protagonists work so hard for happiness, gives Mrs. Bennet everything she wants at the end of it with no growth or change, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. With like no like increased sense of awareness, Mrs. Bennet is exactly the same at emotionally and like intellectually at the end as she was at the beginning. The only thing that's changed is now she's fulfilled all her wildest hopes and dreams, right? That's true. Yeah, we well we do in the book we do get that tiny instance where after Lydia's married, Mrs. Bennet is kind of like wandering around the house like sad. sad. You're right. Well, that's yeah, but, that's a but, great scene. But, well, she's sad. Yeah, go ahead. You know what? Because she loses her favorite daughter, she and her also daughter. and now she's like purposeless. <laughs> uh huh. It is interesting. Course, she's saddened by the worst marriage, even though that's not the reason she's sad. Right. Yeah, she's yeah she's sad because she has lost her favorite daughter. But you know, to to then immediately backtrack on her. Her potential for development, her immediate next
uh, mission is to reignite Bingley and Jane's relationship. She throws herself back into it with new fervor. Yeah. I mean, I guess a change in Mrs. Bennet is she goes from hating Darcy to, you know, welcoming him with open arms. (laughs) But I don't think that's really a change so much as just like she knows what's good for her. No, that is actually more in line Uh, with her character. It's exactly the same thing as she would have done in chapter one. If she actually reserved some resentment for Mr. Darcy, that would be a significant change to think that she you know, wasn't going to be swayed by his wealth, but uh, she's 100% swayed by no, his wealth. No, she's uh, joyous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She can't contain her her oh, happiness. Yeah. Uh-huh. By far her favorite son-in-law now. <laughs> <laughs> Bingley uh, is nothing to him. That's right. Uh, Bingley yeah. is nothing to him. <laughs> um, what else was I going to say? Um, yeah, yeah. I think just like Mrs. Bennet. Um, oh, I do think one thing that maybe changes is that now she has no choice but to uh, her only company in the house is Mary. Is Mary, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's a punishment for Mrs. Bennet. That's a little bit, but uh, oh, and also I guess the Bingleys move away eventually. The Bingleys eventually move away. Maybe there's another like you know a sequel to uh, Pride and Prejudice where we see Mrs. Bennet actually become very depressed by Aww. marrying off all her daughters. Yeah, what does she do then? She packs up her bags and goes to this, <laughs> I don't know live with Lovely, Jane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, really, the fun would be if she went to go live with uh, Darcy oh, and God. Elizabeth. Yeah, at Pemberley. Uh-huh. Okay, all right. So they get proposed. They, I mean, Darcy proposes in the fog. It's very romantic. Elizabeth kisses his hand. What happens in the next scene? In the next scene, we see Elizabeth waiting outside. It's it's the morning now. Um, we see Elizabeth waiting um, nervously outside Mr. Bennett's library. Uh, Mr. Darcy opens the door. He walks out. Elizabeth walks in. Mr. Bennett off camera is like, shut the door. And mm-hmm. um, I don't know, they smile. Uh, Darcy and Elizabeth smile at each other. It's very sweet. And Mr. Bennett is like, are you out of your mind? In marrying, wanting to marry Mr. Darcy. Like, I thought you hated him. And she's like, no, I love him. We were, I was wrong about him. She has that line that's like, we're so similar. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I guess, because you both had flaws, maybe? But, like, they're not really similar. You just, no. just That's not in the book, right? I don't think so. I don't think so. so. That's interesting inclusion. It's like, we're so similar. And it's like... Like, headstrong and maybe? I don't know. Maybe? Just like that we both want good things? Uh-huh. Like, the only thing I can think about that is similar is just that, like, they're both... They're both good people. We both have certain, like, priorities, I guess. We both have certain, yeah, we both have certain priorities. We both, yeah, I guess so. Like, we both care for our family. Like, with Darcy's case, it was his, like, his chosen family, Mr. Bingley. Uh-huh. And Georgiana. And Georgiana. Yeah, yeah. So, in that way, I guess it's like, oh, deep down at our core, we're both good people. So, that's how we're similar. But I kind of thought it was just like, that is such a, like, throwaway cliche line like oh we were we thought we were so different but we're actually so similar and it's like no you're not you're not similar you're pride and prejudice you Uh, know but whatever okay yeah so she convinces mr bennett that she's in love with him and mr bennett is sobbing tears of joy which made made my blood boil (laughs) (laughs) made made the hair on the back of my neck stand up (laughs) what have they done to my mr bennett (laughs) you know the thing is is, look how they massacred my boy It's just, you know, whatever. It's the choice they made for the movie. I just feel I find it more affecting, like, 
the Mr. Bennett who is, like, exists under, like, a million shells is, like, you know, a million, like, outer shells to, like, see, like, a little bit of emotion seep out for me is more affecting than the, the genial Mr. Bennett who is just, like, happy for his kids, I guess. Yeah, I know. It would have been... I know, it would have been more rewarding. But this is not the Mr. Bennett show. Well, okay, and here's another thing that changes in this, uh... Well, yeah, I guess... I guess it's... I guess that's the reason, is they just don't want Mr. Bennett to distract from the goings-on at this point. Yeah. But here's another change that happens in this scene, which is Elizabeth tells Mr. Bennett that Darcy paid for Lydia's marriage, (laughs) and he's like, we must pay him back. I know. Which is... I wanted to, like... I wanted to, like, bang my head on, on my desk when I saw that. If we remember, I'll just remind everyone what he says in the book, which is that, oh, great, <laughs> you know, I was going to pay the gardeners back, but now I don't have to pay anyone back, right? Well, that's the, uh, like, wily, mischievous Mr. Bennett. Like, this is not a, this Mr. Bennett is not wily or mischievous. He's a little, he's got, like, a sparkle in his eye, but that's not the Mr. Bennett of the book. No. The Mr. Bennett of the book has, like, a, hate in his soul. He's got a sparkle in his eye like Santa Claus, not like a sly fox, you uh, know? Well, Mr. Bennett is a trickster in the book. Okay, I think the Mr. Bennett of the movie is a trickster because he has, like, a spring in his step. Yeah. The Mr. Bennett of the book is a trickster because he's a total misanthrope. Yeah. And he's, like, given <laughs> up on humanity almost, like except a, for Elizabeth. Like a Yago-type trickster. Uh, not- yeah, he, he just does it because he likes fucking around with humanity. Right, right. Uh, yeah, not like a, a you know, not a, a good, a good trickster, not a good trickster, just a, a self-gratifying, borderline evil trickster. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, okay. Yeah, he cries. Well, why do you think they changed that? Why do you think oh, he is, like, wanting to pay Darcy back in this because in the movie? Because they just want him to be a good guy. That, okay. He's not gonna... It, it, you know, there's... Money talk is always awkward. So it's like, for him to be like, well, then I owe him nothing. <laughs> I feel like people would be like, well, that's kind of callous. Yeah, I guess it was just too far away from the character that they built in the movie. Right, uh, right. This Mr. Bennett... I don't know, he... He, like, has, he seems to have a code. He sort of lives by a code, has his, like, at least morals. So it's not like he's going to be like, well, now I'm off the hook for Lydia's um, dowry or whatever. It's just sort of like, he he actually feels like, oh, I owe it to this grand gentleman to pay him back. Uh, There's also none of the talk of how Wickham is his favorite son-in-law, right? right? Uh Yeah, that's... I know, I know you hate the what they've done to Mr. Bennett <laughs> in this movie because I agree, Mr. Bennett is like one of the best characters and the most distinct characters in the book and they've, you know, they've totally nerfed him in, in this movie for lack of a better term. Um, just like they just made him like a much like weaker character. Like, like a, you know. I guess, you know, and we'll just say, I, this is what I keep coming back to, is it, the movie, the prerogatives is for the focus to be Elizabeth. Yeah. And, like, the characters in Prime Prejudice are just so, like, well-drawn and so, like, dimensional, you know, that it's gonna, like, to lit too much of it in is inevitably gonna distract from yeah. the story they want to tell. Right. Well, like we said before, the book is a character study of many, many people. And the movie is is about plot. It's about the plot of ro- this romantic story between two people and how to, how we're going to get there. And mm-hmm. everyone else are is, everyone else are just sort of like um you know orbital orbital planets around the two like suns that are Elizabeth and Darcy. Mhm. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> okay. All right. So, of course, he gives his consent. Yes. 
and then she kisses him on the forehead uh-huh. like the loving like the loving daughter that she is and mr bennett does have the line about like oh if anyone's here for mary or kitty let them in i'm at my leisure mm-hmm. um and then if you watch this movie in the uk this is where the movie ends i don't think that i don't agree with that ending i don't think you should end on mr bennett especially not if the story you want to tell is the elizabeth story you know yeah well, lucky for you, we are in the States because, guess what? There's a coda. There's, uh, a, there's an ending scene with, uh, as you described it, Elizabeth stroking Mr. Darcy's cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, we start out Kimberly at night. There's four swans on the pond. Beautiful. Yeah. What are they even on? Like some kind of dais or something in front of the pond? I don't know. I'm like, is this like a, a weird garden table i don't know what they are on but they're they're on the stage uh she is like kneeling on this this thing this dais of some sort darcy walks up like in just like these pants that stop at his uh his pantaloons at his knees (laughs) yes pantaloons no socks and like an open uh, dressing shirt undershirt or whatever yeah Uh, yeah she strokes his cap It's romantic, it's I guess. It's romantic, uh-huh. yeah, because now they're, like, they're very intimate now. They've fucked. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's a symbol for. Yeah, yeah. they've, um, yeah. They've, and it was uh, beautiful. And it, was, <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> the first time was beautiful. Uh-huh. Um, and, oh, God, sorry, guys. Um, and then he kneels down next to her, in front of her, sort of. They're sitting eye to eye with each other, and they're, like, um, they're, like, what are they? I can't even remember what they're talking about. They're talking about like, oh, what am I gonna call you? Yeah, yeah. She's like, he calls her my dear. He calls and her she's my like, dear. That's what Mr. Bennett calls my mother when he's cross, right? I know. Another sin against the the dynamic that is Mr. and Mrs. Bennett. Uh-huh. Because Mr. Bennett would never call Mrs. Bennett my dear. He might ingest. I can't quite he remember. Might ingest, um, yeah. And then he's like, "What should I call you?" And she's like, "Liz, you know, call me Lizzie sometimes. Call me Elizabeth." sometimes and he's like what should i call you when i'm cross mrs darcy and she's like no only call me that when you're like perfectly happy yeah right and then he's like okay mrs darcy right yeah and then he kisses her they kiss and then cut to black i do think it should end on them it should end on it was a good way to (laughs) it was a really good way to end because it's a good line to end on, too, because the question of the whole book is, is Elizabeth going to become Mrs. Darcy? Uh-huh. And at the end, he calls her Mrs. Darcy. So that's 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 that. Maybe if I were making this movie and I wanted a little coda scene, mm-hmm. I would have them, like, at Pemberley with the gardeners. I know, but that's not what this movie I know. I don't know that's not what this movie wanted to do, but the I feel like that would... The gardeners are hardly even, like... Um, a, a player they're cut down a lot yeah, yeah those two characters so i guess it'd be a different movie but in my ideal adaptation of pride and prejudice which follows every single plot point <laughs> it would end where they're like all at pemberley with the gardeners and they're all, all having a good time okay because that's kind of like the spirit of that the is the spi- that the, yeah. of how the book ends right right it, yeah because yeah because then they have you know the bingley neighbors and the gardeners yeah, they have their like close knit family. They're mm-hmm. like their chosen family nearby, and I, again, it's just. I mean, yeah, the way that they ended this movie with the two of them is just. This is a movie about these two people. Yeah, which is fine. That's okay. I'm gl- I'm much happier with that than like a wedding scene. R- okay. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Don't want a wedding scene. If you were to come up with mm. a coda to end this movie, what what would you pick? Ugh. 
I don't know. Maybe something involving like a, you know, a Chosen Four, <laughs> like Darcy and Elizabeth in the Chosen Four, and they're pulling up to Pemberley or something. I don't know. Something just something that ends on Pemberley. I think was a good note to end on. Mm-hmm. Um, She's now the the mistress of Pemberley. Kinda, yeah. Uh-huh. Like maybe the two of them walking in the in the building together in the estate together. Elizabeth's bust next to Mr. Darcy's. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't that be? I mean, maybe that could work. No, I'm, I don't know. But um, I don't know. I'm happy with it. It's a romance movie. It's gonna end with a kiss. It's gonna mm-hmm. end with a romantic kiss with sweeping violins in the end. Um, you know, under like the stars, it works. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I feel like this is gone very long <laughs> yeah, saying, uh, well, yeah but for people with long commutes where you're you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> um, final thoughts about the 2005 pride and prejudice movie i mean i still really love it i'm a sucker for period romance dramas anyway mm-hmm. so like this is right up my alley and i appreciate that like i think i just i really really love the costume department for this i mean the costume is just like I think when I first watched it, I was almost like, I was disappointed by how rough everything looked. Like, everyone was rock- walking through dirt and, mm. like, people's, like, people's, like, the, their, like, cotton dresses look like they've been, like, through the wash. And I'm just, and even, like, in the ballroom scene, I'm like, I feel like they should have more sweeping gowns or whatever. But now, I like, I really appreciate, like, how much they stuck to the reality of the times like they still managed to make everything elegant without it being like like movie like hollywoody like costuming like it was very like like you could tell these these, you could believe that this was like what clothes what clothing people would have worn in this like environment so i don't know i just i really like and i think maybe the costume is just an extension of like just how beautiful this movie was shot, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no denying that it was a beautifully shot movie. Which is not always what you get from Austin adaptations or period mm. adaptations. You well, know, you get the costumes and the houses and whatnot, but you don't always get, like, the the beautiful direction. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like, you know. <laughs> I, I don't even, like, I'm in no place to say this, but Joe Wright was a great director, you know? I think he, he got the shots that... You know that were just like that lend itself to to like that really did justice to this the the um the um locations that they were shot. Uh huh. Oh, absolutely. Because I think they were shot on location. Yeah. Oh, so, well, the locations are gorgeous. Yeah. And you know, it's like there's there is definitely care put into it. It's not just like oh we got a bunch of houses let's like mm-hmm. divvy them up. Which one's gonna be Pemberley? You yeah, know? yeah. You can definitely tell Longbourn is Longbourn for a reason. Netherfield Park is Netherfield Park for a reason. Pemberley is definitely. You know, what we're saying, Pemberley and Rosings are different for their various reasons, and the, you know, expresses the characters, which you should be doing, because that's what happens in the book, too. Mm -hmm. Like, these estates express the characters who live there. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's no fault of the BBC adaptation, but, like, it's just, there's a a very distinct difference between the two. Not just... The camera and sound quality, you mean? Yeah, the clanking of the heels on the the wooden floors. Um, Yeah, it's just... It's just so visually pleasing to watch. Even if you don't, even if you're like an avid Jane Austen diehard purist and you don't think that the movie was good because it didn't do the book justice and that like all of the sarcasm was, all of the sarcasm and wit was removed and the characters were totally not like the characters in the book, like there's no denying that the movie is beautiful. 
and that like every shot could be like a portrait a yeah painting. definitely i think you should watch the movie i mean i assume people listening have probably seen the movie already but if you haven't i think you should watch it I would definitely recommend it. Mm -hmm. I'm not upset. Like, I think that people, like, if you're going to make a movie, you should, like, make it your own, you know? Especially a movie like Pride and Prejudice, which has been made already. Like, yeah. go and ahead, like, change the book, you know, do what you need to, yeah. right? Yeah, everyone knows the story already, so mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, and, you know, it's out of copyright, so, like, it, it, and there's been, like, like you said, like, so many retellings and adaptations that you, yeah, just... To do credit to the book is to, like, is to co fully commit to your vision of the of the book, not and even if even if that is to especially if it is to com like completely, um, to, to completely be separate from many points of the book. Like, you want to tell a grand romantic story, then absolutely one hundred percent lean into it down to like the sweeping shots of like the mountains and and the whatever. Uh huh. You know. You know. It's like. As an Austin fan, it is a source of frustration sometimes <laughs> that she's so boiled down to, like, it's romantic. That's, like, the main appeal, you know? Which is, like, that's, it's not the main appeal for me of reading the books. They are romances, and I enjoy the romantic elements, but, uh, you know, there's just so much more. Yeah, I mean, not, I don't even think my favorite scenes involve darcy like a uh, lot of my favorite scenes are with mr bennett or like lady catherine or mr yeah, collins like, right or mrs bennett or mrs bennett uh, yeah. yeah all of these like great characters like really rich robust characters that unfortunately like for the sake of creating a romance movie need to be um kind of like pared down uh-huh yeah but, but that being said that like although i find it frustrating that austin has reduced so much to just being like a writer of romance like <laughs> You know, sell your movie. If that's what you, you know, that's how you sell, that's how you sell the tickets to the theaters. <laughs> and, like, that's that's the movie they wanted to make. They set out to make a romance, and they did it well. Like, if you want to see, like, watch, like, Love and Friendship, for example, if you want to see an adaptation uh, that was, like, I want to make, you know, a comedic version of what Austin does, yeah. you know. Yeah, Love and Friendship was great. And Emma also is, like, a very comedic yeah, the recent Emma with Anya Taylor-Joy. That's more, like, plays up more the comedic elements. Yeah. Uh -huh. And this is more the romantic elements. And I think Pride and Prejudice lends itself a little bit more to the romantic element just because they've got this fairy tale romance, like, anchoring the book. Yeah. And that's totally fine, you know? Just don't go into the movie expecting it to be like the book, and vice versa. Uh -huh. Don't go into the book expecting it to be like the movie. And they do the romance well. It feels credible. Like, you want these people to get together. You enjoy seeing them, like, interact, even if it's not, like, quite as enjoyable as in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I mean, at the end of the, at the, end of the day, if all you want is to just watch a romance where two people fall in love and get married then this is the perfect movie for you, so... <laughs> it's a good movie. I, I give it a thumbs up. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Roger Ebert. <laughs> Two thumbs up from us. Um, I think this is a good place to end it. I think so. We've said quite a bit yeah, <laughs> about this movie. Right. Um, if you've made it to the end of this episode, then, well, thank you. And if you want to let us know how you feel about the movie, um, any gripes or what you loved or what you you know didn't love about the movie... Uh, you can email us at secondimpressionspod at gmail.com. Exactly. And we also have a very exciting announcement. 
On January 23rd, we are going to be releasing another bonus episode of our podcast. Mm -hmm. This time we're going to be talking about the first three episodes of the 1995 BBC adaptation, miniseries adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Yep, starring Jennifer L. and the one, the only, the magnanimous Colin Firth Firth. as Mr. Darcy. Uh Um, Don't worry for those purists out there who prefer the BBC series to the movie adaptation. We will be covering both. Yes. So, yeah, January 23rd, look for our recap slash thoughts about the first three episodes. And then we'll release uh, on when we release that podcast, we will announce the next date of when we'll talk about the last three. Yeah, we've uh, learned from our mistakes of trying to post an entire three plus hour podcast episode on an adaptation which is impossible but thanks for listening everyone and we will be talking to you again very shortly yep that's right uh thanks for listening bye